Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 20. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Well, here we are, middle of the week. This is going to be awesome. Big week for me. I'm not going to get into why. Um, it has something to do with a baby. She's coming. I'm telling you, I'm excited. Um, however, we have time for the operator podcast, which is great because it's an awesome podcast. You know, friends become enemies, enemies become friends. We're all richer for the experience, some shit like that. I stole that from, um, I want to say family guy, but anyway, this is episode 85 of the operator podcast. And what we do here, as you know, is uh, I talk about stuff. I tell you my, my, um, my outlook on things as a former special operator, and I want you to talk to me in the comments, especially at the Operator Podcast on Instagram, at Mikuya, M-C-H-O-O-Y-A-H. You can go there, too. Like I said, I am restricted. I've been messing with that, too, like changing up from professional account to personal account, trying to see if I get any reach. But the powers that be, and by that I mean the people that know how to write code, who don't like me because sometimes I tell the truth, and sometimes the truth leans a little bit on the other end of the left. They don't like it. So uh, we lose some reach, but I think the Operator Podcast is the way to go, but check out Mikuya as well. Tell me what you think about what we say. But today is a good day. It's a fun day because I'm going to talk with Mitch Aguiar. He's a complete badass, um, former Navy SEAL for 10 years, combat veteran. We're going to tell some... We're gonna t- I'm going to ask him about some of the stuff he did in the Navy, after the Navy, before the Navy, shit like that. But he's got a great story, too, because um, he is... Um, he started doing MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, while he was in the Navy, took over the combatives course for the East Coast, rewrote the entire curriculum based on um, applicability and, and uh, you know, what we do in, in combat uh, with body armor, with weapons, and basically... See, not every, not every mission you go on, you're going to be shooting people. Actually, most missions you don't, but sometimes you need to subdue people, and you got to figure subduing people. You're in a place where they don't know who you are. All they know is you're big, you're scary, your face is green, and uh, you might be trying to kill them. So you get people literally fighting for their lives. And if you get people who think they're fighting for their lives, they fight pretty hard. A lot of them do. It turns out there's a thing called will to live. But uh, Mitch is a Navy SEAL. He was, uh, he's got some great deployment stories, some post-Navy stories, too, we're going to get into. Uh, like I said, he's a combatives guy. He is a uh, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, he's opened uh, his own jiu-jitsu academy, Violent Hippie, out of Virginia. I think he's in Chesapeake, Virginia. Great supplements. Massive supplements, the smashing greens, smashing reds. We're going to talk to him all about that. Um, you know, the way that cancel culture works, 
you know, if we if we say stuff that the powers that be don't like, they will shut you down, and it's affected him. We're going to get into that. So I'm very excited to have uh, Mitch Aguiar here. If you don't follow him, do follow him on Instagram. And he is um, at Mitch, M-I-T-C-H, underscore Aguiar is A-G-U-I-A-R. We are going to have a fun conversation today. This conversation is brought to you by Allegiance Gold. You know that if you've been listening to the show for a while, you also know that I think uh, the Biden administration is making a disaster out of the American retirement system. His overspending and overprinting of money alone are the two main reasons that Americans' retirement accounts have lost 25% over the past two to three years. Did you know that the net loss on all retirement plans is $1 trillion? That number gets thrown around a lot, but that is a lot of money. And that pension plans have lost $3.3 trillion in quarter three of 2023 alone. We throw that trillion around a lot. How about this one? Under Biden, the average American family has lost $7,400 in annual income this year. That is $22,000 in total net after-tax income that has been lost per household. In fact, 60% of Americans complain that their uh, income has not kept pace with the increases in their household expenses, and that's because of inflation. For Americans who are planning to retire with $1 million in their IRA— those accounts have lost a quarter. That's $250,000. Now, Americans are faced with having to work a decade longer than they planned, or they have to come out of retirement to recoup their losses. You can prevent this. One of the surest ways I know is with gold, because gold is a store of value and runs counter to the effects of Bidenomics. In less than two months, gold has risen 14%. I want you to listen to me. Because believe me, I know the power of gold and what it can do for retirement accounts. Whether you prefer gold and silver or simply want to protect your IRA or 401k, I would trust and I do trust the specialists at Allegiance Gold who have the highest trust ratings in the precious metals industry. You will not uh, be disappointed. I know them. I've spent time with them. Their relationships are based on integrity, expertise, and impeccable service. So here's a website to check out, and I love it. Go to protectwiththeoperator.com today and download my free wealth protection guide. I'll tell you everything you need to know about gold. Or you can call my favorite phone number, 844-5-US-SEAL. That's 844-5-US-S-E-A-L. Protect your retirement with Allegiance Gold and get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase. Or you can call them today at our favorite number and begin your stress-free journey toward financial freedom. Dial 844-5-U-S-S-E-A-L or go to protectwiththeoperator.com. Your new favorite website too, protectwiththeoperator.com. Once again, that number is 844-5-U-S-SEAL. Go check out Allegiance Gold. I promise you will be happy. This episode of the Operator Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you follow the show, you know that I talk about mental health, in my case, post-traumatic stress, in many veterans' case, post-traumatic stress as well. But you do not need to be a combat veteran to have stress. I, I have all kinds of friends that aren't in the military, are not vets, and they, you know, it's common to have depression, anxiety, um, just kind of be down in the dumps. I've been there. And sometimes you can learn and grow when you talk to someone. BetterHelp is completely online and you can do it from home. All therapists are licensed, accredited professionals. BetterHelp allows you to connect with them in a safe, convenient online environment. You pay a low, flat fee for unlimited therapy 
with your therapist. Therapy does not have to be expensive. You can do this on your own time. You can do it at your own pace. You can communicate with therapists as often as you want or whenever you feel like you need it. Thousands of people have benefited from therapy. I mean, check out the reviews here. With BetterHelp, you can switch therapists at any point if you don't feel like you're getting the benefit. If you're thinking about starting therapy, and there's nothing wrong with thinking about it, you should, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited for your schedule. You fill out a questionnaire, you get masked with a therapist, and like I said, you can switch them anytime. Change anytime. It's always good to talk to someone. This is a great opportunity to do it. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash operator today, and you can get 10% off your first month. 10% off your first month with code operator. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash operator. All right, here we are. Another uh, great episode of the Operator Podcast. Today is going to be fun. And actually, uh, I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. I wanted to do it in person, uh, but we don't have the in-house studio yet. And uh, it's probably better for for, for me because uh, if I say the wrong thing, you know, it'd take, a, take Mitch a while to get up here and uh, get things straight. Uh, but I, I have a uh, former Navy SEAL, Mitch Aguiar, with me. He's a Navy SEAL, East Coast, um, MMA fighter. Uh, just an all-around badass. Very cool with uh, some of the. He's got a, a adopt a cop foundation where he helps police officers um, learn how to basically fight and how to handle people and the politics involved with that. Just because there's certain, I'm going to let him get into that. But Mitch Aguiar is here. Welcome to the Operator Podcast, my friend. I'm really excited to have you on. Hey, thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, we've uh, we've been talking about doing this for a while, so uh, excited to to be getting it done. Yeah, it's it's about time. There's you know a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, you know, Navy SEAL stuff. Obviously, people want to hear about, and I do want to get into how you got into that. But uh, can you give us a little bit of background? Uh, where you're from? Uh, how you grew up? And like, was fighting always a thing? I mean, uh, like technical fighting, mixed martial arts, or did you get into that later? Yeah, no. So uh, I actually am from Virginia Beach. I grew up here. Uh, I was born in, at Portsmouth Naval Hospital, and my mom and dad were both in the Navy. And, um, so they, I was born here, um, lived here until almost, uh, I was, I was halfway through fifth grade and, uh, my parents ended up getting divorced and I ended up, uh, moving to Maryland with my dad when I was yeah halfway through fifth grade, stayed there until, um, 10th grade. And then I moved at that time, my mom had, uh, you know, remarried to my stepdad, who was also in the Navy, and um, they lived in Ohio. They had gotten out of the Navy and moved to Ohio because that's where he was from. So I ended up moving in tenth grade to to there and finished up uh, high school in Ohio. So I was kind of all over the place, you know. Um, but yeah, no, uh, growing up fighting, I I didn't um, fight like technical you know like um in a uh like a martial art. i did karate very briefly but I, I you know thought it was really really stupid uh so you know i think most kids back especially back in the 90s you know uh did karate at some point for at least a day or a year and yeah got their yeah um <laughs> uh, yeah no so i didn't uh didn't do like formal martial arts too much um other than that and but i i always grew up fighting um i i was i i tended to uh bully bullies you know nice. 
Yeah. My, my little brother growing up, he was a year younger than me and, uh, he was, he was fat growing up and my parents, you know, uh, were, were very aggressive people. And, uh, they, they encouraged me to be very protective of him. And, you know, it was, Hey, your brother's going to get made fun of, or if he, if he gets made fun of in school, like, you know, I don't care where you are, principal's office, cafeteria, classroom, bus, you better just beat their ass and, you know, make a statement like that. No one's to mess with your brother. And I, you know, I took that to heart and uh, grew up kind of fighting all the time. And uh, that's, yeah, it's just kind of in me to be protective. No, that's really cool too. I mean, I don't think a lot of people do that now. Look out for your brother. He has family and uh, wherever you are, protect him what what's uh yeah it wasn't and it, i mean it it stemmed with him but it was that was just kind of the overall theme like you know you're you should protect yes. the you know people that can't protect themselves and uh or who are getting bullied or harassed or whatever i mean i i truly feel that like my uh strength and aggression are a blessing and i utilize them justly um what what was your go-to like? Cause you did like some Taekwondo and I think most of us did growing up. Like what was your go-to in a, like, like a schoolyard fight? Just straight, uh, straight up just haymakers. Yeah. <laughs> just swing, yeah. just swinging until you're tired. Yeah, never, never. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't wrestle growing up. I didn't do, obviously I didn't do jujitsu till I was in my twenties mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I'm a black belt in jujitsu now. Um, but back then I, I had no, 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 even real thought of, uh, going to the ground. You know, it was, it was all just, just punching. That was it. <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, that's kind of the way it went too. Uh, cause that was what, what time, what, uh, what part of the nineties was that? Cause, cause, uh, jujitsu really got introduced to the world during the very first UFC from Hoist Gracie. What, what was that uh, around? Your time? How old no, you I, I didn't even, I didn't even hear about the UFC. I was born in 89. Um, okay. I just turned 35. So, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear about, I mean, I'm trying to think when I, when I even saw my first like UFC or, or something similar, like a cage fight, I, I, I feel like I was in maybe, maybe high school or something like that, like middle school when I, when I had maybe even heard of it as a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was very like underground almost feeling, yeah. uh, wasn't, it certainly wasn't mainstream, but boxing uh, was, boxing was like mainstream, you know, that like Mike Tyson, that, you know, you, you all, we all heard about that and saw that and, uh, you know, but yeah, didn't, uh, didn't, didn't ever, didn't ever have any interest in wrestling. My, my, both of my brothers wrestled a little bit growing up and I was just like, ah, that's gay. I don't want to do that. <laughs> it, now Ohio. I'm like, I wish I would have wrestled. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Oh, me too. Hi, Ohio's a big wrestling state, isn't it? It is. Yeah. In high that's school. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, and I, I played football my whole life. I grew up playing football and basketball and, uh, lacrosse I played lacrosse too and and I enjoyed those those sports I wanted to play hockey because that was a sport that they allowed yeah. you to fight in mm -hmm. and you know that was literally my only motivation to play hockey 
but I was a terrible ice skater. So <laughs> I was like happy Gilmore, you know, <laughs> I was, um, I was, uh, in high school at the watching the first UFC. I remember being at a poker game, I think on a Saturday night and expecting like the sumo wrestler to win or whatever. And then you get this little dude in a gi. We didn't know if yeah. he's a Taekwondo guy or whatever. Cause the Taekwondo right. guy, I think from Colorado got his ass whooped by I think Ken Shamrock and then and then Hoy starts winning these fights from the guard and everyone's like like he, he was like stopping the and saying to the ref this guy is tapping and I don't know if you know what the, like I don't think I don't think the ref knew what a tap was and I think like Brian Kilmeade from Fox News was hosting it like one of his first gigs no one knew what the hell was going on I don't think that uh the world knew what was about to be unleashed on him with that because yeah. it seemed like to me even when a wrestler would fight a jujitsu guy at first, the jujitsu guy had the advantage because the wrestler doesn't want to get pinned. So he wants to give you his back almost. Well, you know, it, it depends. Okay. Like if you, uh, cause, cause I, I've, I've grappled with some really high level wrestlers and they, they are a problem. If, if their, their wrestling is super high level, just, just their ability to control and pin people down and, and use their weight and just feel like a thousand pounds, you know, um, mm -hmm. the pressure that they can, they can apply the, uh, most wrestlers have an issue with jujitsu guys, uh, exposing their neck, you know, shooting in for a shot and getting guillotined because they're not, right. that's not something that they're used to having to worry about. Um, yeah. but that, that's usually wrestlers biggest, uh, hurdle in the beginning is exposing their neck right. like that. Yeah, I remember when uh, when it because I'm a little bit older and I when it first started coming out, the guillotine was like the the go to because no one really knew what the hell was happening and uh, like going back home for me on leave, getting in the stupid bar fight, the guillotine always was came out clutch and no one knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> Man, it's crazy. Uh, I I I just can't even imagine um, the advantage that those guys had, the Gracies had, just being you know at a black belt level of yeah. Brazilian jiu jitsu. And going in to fight and, and people have no idea. No idea. And, well, and I mean, even even in that first one, there was a boxer who have had you ever one... done jujitsu? Yeah. Not, not as yeah. much as I should have. It's one of those things where I just like, damn it, you know, I I started in nineteen ninety nine. If I would have stuck with it, it would have been kick ass, but just never worked out that way every now and then. But it's but it's even, one of those things looking you, back now, it's like, damn. Even when you do a little bit of jujitsu it, it really exposes you to how much you don't know yes. and how, and how like deep that pool of knowledge is. And, and uh, you know, so like just thinking about, I mean, when I, when I grapple with someone that has never done jujitsu, I mean, it's like, uh, you're, you're like playing with a toddler, you know, no matter if they're big, strong dude. Doesn't <laughs> yeah, seriously. Matter. Yeah. And, well, and when, it's, when when i uh when i when i started rolling uh gustavo in virginia beach was a brown belt and i think frank Cucci was a purple belt and now like the obviously instructors are black belts but even then like fighting a brown belt he's gonna destroy you even you know oh, a navy seal um, fighting a 20 year old brazilian dude gonna destroy you a blue belt will destroy you and that's and that's what the whole premise with adopt a cop is is you know like everybody that and for those you don't know adopt a cop bjj is the charity that i started um and that was in response to you know um during the the whole uh george floyd and black lives matter and all this shit and there was a lot of shootings or not a lot but you know there was probably 10 shootings or something that year and and um and in all those situations i you know like any other jujitsu practitioner i was like seeing these unfold and i was like man if that cop knew 
a blue belt level of jujitsu, this could have been avoided. Yes. And, um, you know, and just from watching these videos, it seemed to me that the majority of them stemmed from a lack of uh, training or fear almost, you know, and it's like this, I don't want to go hands on with this person because I'm not confident in my abilities. So I'm going to go to my weapon immediately. You know, it's like that escalation of force. Um, when, when, when you're in fear for your life, you go to that. And, but, you know, if you were better trained in your abilities to control the situation with your hands, you wouldn't be in fear for your life. So that was kind of how, you know, the whole program started. I was like, you know, these cops just knew a blue belt level of jujitsu night and day in in any kind of grappling situation or scenario. So uh, that's how it started. And now, you know, that's what we do. We pay for police officers to learn Brazilian jujitsu until the rank of blue belt. Yeah, that's awesome too. Well, yeah, we um we had some jujitsu guys when I was <clears throat> excuse me when I was a SEAL Team Six. We would like Gustavo. We'd bring him in to and he developed uh, prisoner handling, uh, going from your weapon to the ground, how to cuff, and just the from the stuff that we had before. Like I don't I don't even remember what, what they called it. They had scars first, and they had uh, that Dwayne Dieter stuff, and <laughs> then uh, jujitsu came in, and just the way you could manipulate uh, prisoners was so much easier, so much better, and it's safer even for the bad guy. Like like um. Like, what are your thoughts on, like, obviously New York politicians completely suck and there's like, they, they banned a chokehold because there's, they're so damn ignorant. They think a choke is going to kill someone where I think a choke is probably the easiest way to subdue someone. And they'll be fine when they wake up a little bit scared and disoriented, but they'll be in cuffs and fine. Yeah. I mean, cause they're looking at like, oh, that, that's what happened to George Floyd. No, George Floyd died of fentanyl, but yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, he wasn't choked and a choke isn't going to kill you. I choke out people every day in my gym. I let my students choke I, me. Yeah, I've seen videos of you letting us, uh, I think one of your female students choke you yeah. out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, now, okay. Let's, since we're there and now is that to prove to your student what it's like or how easy it is or, or what's, wh- what's the point of that? I mean, I've been choked out, um, you know, even when I didn't plan on it, <laughs> but yeah. what, what, uh, when you're letting someone choke you out, what is the purpose? It's more, it's more to, uh, it's more to ease their like fear of being choked unconscious, you know, that, cause a lot of people are afraid yeah, yeah. of, you know, they're, they're afraid and they don't, you know, and they panic or whatever. And, um, and it's not something that it's not scary. It's not something it's actually euphoric. You know? No, it is. I was going to say that too. I've, I've heard of, <laughs> I've heard of people choking themselves with a belt, trying to do exactly. some stuff by themselves and it, it can end badly if you don't have a swim buddy. <laughs> yeah. you got to have a spotter, you know, autoerotic asphyxiation is the thing, but <laughs> do you, <laughs> I didn't think we were going to get into that here. I'll be honest. Do, do hey, you think yeah. is, is there? You think it would be? Um, I mean, politics aside, I know all politicians care about is their own power and getting reelected. They don't really care about their constituents. I don't think that. I think people no. get power to keep power, and they never want to relinquish it. But do you think if they really cared about the people, you could get like a jujitsu uh, practitioner to tell politicians that hey, if you allow them to choke, there will be less shootings. You know, I think that um, jujitsu is becoming more and more mainstream and popular every single day. And I think it's only a matter of time before someone um, who is a politician, you know, starts doing jujitsu. I mean, shit, even Mark Zuckerberg is a blue belt now. Right. I know. And and he's like, you know, kind of super into it. So, um, hopefully at, at some point, one of the, one of these politicians, 
And uh, just for the record, I fucking hate all politicians. Yeah, me too. They're all criminals. I hate every one of you. But uh, hopefully one of them and join jujitsu and uh, hopefully they come to my gym so I can choke them the fuck out. But that, that's that, see, that's cool. And uh, that, that and yeah, that should happen. That'd be awesome. too. Plus, the violent hippie thing is uh, I think that's the coolest one out there. I think you explained it to me one time. Didn't someone ask you, why does it say violent hippie like they were saying you you can't be both? Yeah, I mean, uh, we get that all the time. I mean, obviously, it's kind of like an oxymoron to, to most people. And they're like, oh, that that doesn't make sense or whatever. And I'm like, of course it does. Uh, you know, like you you can't. I, I'm all about peace and love. And yes. I think, you know, unity and that I think that we're all I one. Agree. I think that we're all one with animals, plants, the earth. Mm -hmm. We're all we're all one. Um mm -hmm. You know, and and uh, but there are assholes out there, you know, that that want to inflict harm on others or or, uh, you know, just just cause harm to others. And the only thing you're not going to be able to peace and love and, you know, kiss your way out of that sometimes. Yes. Sometimes the only thing they respond to is an ass whooping or, you know, and, and you mm -hmm. have to be willing and and not only willing and able to uh inflict that but like capable you know yeah mm -hmm. of doing that so um yeah. that's why our motto is be kind or else or else i love that that's my that's my new favorite one what i liked is uh what is the best way to learn a new language immersion if you can live in that country and speak daily with native speakers that's the best way however if doing immersion is not in the cards in 2024 you can learn a new language the second best way and that is with Babel. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you can mark it off the list. Join millions of Babbel language learners across all age groups. Babbel is conversation-based learning built with science-backed cognitive tools like spaced repetition and interactive lessons created by real language teachers and voiced by real native speakers. Babbel's advanced speech recognition is like having your own personal language coach to help improve your pronunciation and get you prepped and confident for real-world conversations. Facile commander dans la nourriture. Pas aller à commencer conversation de base. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you should absolutely get Babbel. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Tu es quel âge? Tu es quel âge? Here's a limited time offer. <laughs> Here's a special limited time offer for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash operator that's 50 percent off at babble.com slash operator that is spelled b-a-b-b-e-l.com slash operator babble.com slash operator rules and restrictions may apply go check out babble kind of what i the way that maybe i heard it from like jeff gum or somebody but it's like look i love to hug trees i'm all about clean water but if you start something i'm gonna put your hands in your pockets for you and it's almost like with I, my personal thought is is violence is not doing anything and until you you need to um, convince someone else other than that it's just a suggestion if you try to force something you can't back it up then you're kind of screwed you're 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 at the point where you're um you're banking on their good in intentions yeah you know? and and people don't have good intentions and what are you going to do when you know they try to 
implement or force things upon you, yeah. you know, and, and you, at what point are you, you just going to lay down and take it? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to defend yourself and defend your, you know, what, what your values are? Um, you know, and I, and I think that you can be both. Um, no, you totally can. Yeah. So that, that's kind of what it, what it's about. It's, it's kind of how I identify my, you know, um, so I figured there's, and I figured it would kind of be like a beacon, you know, when, when, when the, when the right people read that violent hippie, they're like, they just immediately identify. They're like, yes, that's that's what I am. Like that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's me. You know, it, it seems I'm, not, to me, I'm not like Republican, de, uh, liberal or just de, Democrat or whatever. It's like, oh, no, I'm a violent hippie. That's mm-hmm. what I am. Yeah, it's yeah. And it seems to like more, the more people that train, the less violence there is. And, and, and like it, it, what I love about the, my limited jujitsu is that I'm less inclined to start a fight, even with the dude with the long hair on a scooter, because he might be a black belt. I don't know. Yeah, and just you know, sometimes you just don't want to get it. It's it's almost like it's almost like it could be more peaceful. The 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 more people know, the less violent it could be. I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, it if you go into a jujitsu academy, I mean, it's all walks of life, all body shapes and sizes, and you have no idea who's a killer and and who's just a a turd. Like you have you have no idea and. And I've, and I, some, sometimes they do look the part you're like, oh, that guy looks like he's good. And he really is. And then other times, wow, that guy looks like he's good and he's terrible. Or that guy looks soft and and doesn't look like shit and then strangles the fuck out of you. So, you know, it's, (laughs) it's totally unassuming. And, um, and the cool thing is anybody can learn it. And, uh, you know, black belt is, is just a white belt that, that didn't quit. And they just keep coming and showing up. And if you do show up and put in the time and learn these techniques, you will be able to beat the your opponent. It's, of course, physicality plays a, a role in it, mm-hmm. but the technique it's it's not like you're guessing, right? There are rules that are like, you know, almost written in blood, like you know that are staples of jujitsu, and like you know, you don't extend your arms, you don't. Right. You don't, you know, there's, there's certain things you do. You, you take away space on, on the top, you create space on the bottom. Like there's, there's these fundamentals that are there for a reason because they work. And when you roll with someone like, you know, after you understand these and you roll with someone that doesn't know them and all of a sudden, like you start, they just start guessing, you know, and they're, they're extending their arms and stuff. And you're like, Oh wow, this person has no idea. No idea what they're doing and and they just just set themselves up so easily to get submitted and and you know it's all about like a position over submission so you're fighting for that better position it's like a step by step process you know it's not guesswork it's not instinctual really and uh it's a system and it works and it works at all levels you know mm-hmm. and um that's what's cool about it and you know regardless of who you are, if you learn the system and you go against someone that doesn't know the system, you're going to win. It's like chess where, you know, there's a system to chess and there's like rules to chess. And, you know, if you just go out there and guess you're, you know, and you open up with your pawn on the very end and you, you know, go, you know, go out and you, you know, if you're playing against someone that knows how to play chess, you're like, Oh, this guy doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Right. And they're just gonna, you know, 
piece you up, you know, and that's kind of how it is with jujitsu. Yeah. Now with jujitsu, is there a, is there a point? Cause I, I heard a couple of dudes talking, like once you get to purple belt, you kind of know most you can of the skip stuff. Warm-ups. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> no, no. Someone was saying at a purple belt level, you kind of know everything. It's just a matter of mastering it and finding out like a chess, like chess four yeah. or five moves ahead and quicker. Yeah. So, so I would say, um, you know, once you get to a purple belt level, you should basically know all the things that a black belt does. The black belt's just been doing them longer and, you know, it's more solidified in them. Uh, but it, it, the thing I like about jujitsu is it's not, it's not like a, or karate, you get your black belt in two years or whatever, yeah, oh, yeah, nine-year-old black belts. It's just not that that's, you know, bullshit, but like, yes jujitsu you know you're talking like the average person to get to black belts 10 years 10 years of of mat time you know so that that's a ton of repetitions that's a ton of time in bad positions because nobody's going to start out at jujitsu and be good that's the other cool thing about it is the type of people that do jujitsu or or are in a jujitsu academy are the type types of people that are okay with uh working towards something and that delayed gratification. Whereas, you know, our society is very much, especially now it's like short attention spans, mm -hmm. very much, uh, need that instant gratification, instant. that kind of shit. And, um, you know, and that's, we're seeing the, uh, the negative effects of that, you know, throughout our society, but, but in a jujitsu Academy, you're not going to be good at jujitsu. That's just fact i don't care who you are you're just not going to be great right away you're gonna lose matches it's humbling mm -hmm. you know uh and it, you have to you have to overcome adversity you have to be persistent or persistent and consistent and you know so you let you and it, and it is humbling so you're mm -hmm. in that environment you know, if you're at a good academy, everybody there is going to be cool. Everyone's going to be, you know, understanding like, hey, I was just in this shoe, your shoes, and they want to help you get to like the next level, you know. Um, and, you know, at least that's how it is in my academy. I've, I've been at academies, you know, I've trained at academies all over the place, all over the country, all over the world. And I've taken things I like and don't like you know, and, um, taking things I've liked from all those and applied them to my Academy and, and removed all the other shit. And, you know, our motto here is be kind or else like yes. no one, no one's coming in, you know, uh, cause that's the other thing too. Like someone coming in off the street into a jujitsu Academy, especially nowadays where everyone, like people know the power of jujitsu or how effective it is, or, you know, like it's, that's an intimidating thing in itself you know and then to go in there and if you just are oh fresh fish is here now i get to try out my flying arm bar on this new guy or whatever yeah. and, and like hurt them or whatever then you're you're not going to get any retention like those people aren't going to want to no. come back yeah and, and nor should they and uh but like you shouldn't be having that type of environment in your academy or allowing that you know um so that, you know, our, our motto is be kind or else. And that goes for everything, you know? And um, so when we have new people come to our Academy, it's, you know, like everybody is super welcoming, super helpful. Everybody wants to, you know, and understands like, Hey, I was in their shoes. Yeah. Good. You know, not that long ago. And uh, you know, I want to help them get up to speed and, you know, learn like things that I messed up, things that helped me, whatever. So it's cool. Yeah, I was going to ask how, how uh, as the guy running the show over there, how, 
how do you um how do you welcome like a, a new white belt that doesn't know anything what 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 kind of instructors do you have with them or do you do it or how, what do you like what do you start them with on day one yeah i like to go so we have a beginner's class and we have an advanced class as well but uh i like to take people that have never done jujitsu at all and explain to them like the basic fundamentals and like laws of jujitsu so that and and that takes about 30 minutes i would say to go through all of that. And then I have them do like, um, you know, go through all the positions, mount, you know, rear mount, uh, guard, close guard, open guard, like just go through all of them just to have an, uh, just so that they see it and can put a, a visualization to the names of these positions. And then like the basic, um, overview of like what you want to do, like when you're in this when you're in someone's guard, the only thing you want to be focusing on is passing their guard. Like mm -hmm. you shouldn't be worried about trying to get a submission from here. It's position over submission, you know, and like I'll show them uh, and I kind of do this little walkthrough series of like passing the closed guard, getting to side control. And then the person now that's on bottom side control, re, uh, you know, closing their guard retain you know retaining their guard so um so it's kind of this this little drill and i and i do a couple of those so they understand like the overall big picture view but then obviously those are broad strokes but then you know it it's all dialed in it's a system but if you just go into a jujitsu gym and watch people rolling around you have no idea what's going on yeah. you're just like okay that guy's on top that guy's on bottom okay that guy just rolled him over i don't know what's going on but if you understand then like I'll, so after I do that little, like 30 minutes with them, that little drills and systems and talking through them through that, then we'll watch like the people rolling in class and see, okay, do you see, that's what he did. Do you see what he's doing? Blah, blah, blah. And kind of talk them through it. And then like, you see the wheels turn like, oh, okay. Now I, now I understand what I'm looking at, you know, a somewhat, I have an idea, but I tell people it's like, it's like learning a foreign language you know it's like you know and uh today you just learned hola you know <laughs> you know but it's it's gonna take a long time to get to get fluent in this language so um have you you ever have anyone come off the street and challenge you off the street and challenge me i don't think so um not in jujitsu and like not no one's ever like come in my academy and and tried that uh, I've had people do that to me, uh, like with slap boxing and, and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, which, which is, which ended pretty funny. Um, no, what's but, that? Okay. You can't, you can't stop with that. What, what, what's that story? Oh, well, so I was actually at, um, I was actually at the Navy SEAL monument, the, the statue here, yeah, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia mm -hmm. Beach. And during the BLM, um, during the BLM kind of all that bullshit that was going on here. The, there was a BLM chapter here that was causing issues down at the ocean front. And they were saying that they were going to, you know, vandalize the police statue and the Navy seal statue. And, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll meet you there. And uh, so I put on my body armor and rifle and went down there and, uh, and, you know, stood down there and uh, you know, just, just was going to guard it. And, and then I saw there, you got me um oh sorry no good i don't know what's going on here i got um, you still 
You hear me? Okay. Yep. Yeah. And uh, there was, there ended up being like six other seals there, uh, you know, which was cool. Cause I thought I was just going to be by myself and um, you know, and they, and they had like, Oh, or they had like uh, um, overwatch on like some of the balconies and the hotels ne nearby and stuff. And, and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. This is cool. Did, that, did, did anyone show up? No, no, no one, no one came and fucked with it. Um, a couple guys came up, but, but again, like, you know, we were just chilling there just like, Hey, you know, fuck around and find out sort of That's thing. Right. And, uh, and, uh, but luckily no one, no one tried anything. And, but there was this one dude that came up and he was kind of drunk and, and he was just like, Oh, you look like a fighter. And I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, you want a slap box? And I was like, sure. And, <laughs> uh, just slapped the, slap the shit out of him pretty good. Did, did you let him have the first shot or did you hit him first? um hey whatever hey whatever you no i don't remember i have the video i can send you the video <laughs> oh uh, you better send me the video i'm gonna post yeah, that no i i have the video i think i posted it on instagram and they deleted it for whatever yeah, for whatever reason because you were standing up for something yeah yeah that would, so okay now how does that work in virginia beach with uh, body armor and a, and a gun down at down in the ocean front well and that was kind of funny too because you know i'm pretty well known around here in this area and and um you know for one i i adopt a cop and help a lot of the police and and then also i i did a ton of fighting here um so you know and i was always the main event of, of the uh the fight league here and so people knew who i was and um but when that happened i yeah put on my body armor and and rifle and walked right down the boardwalk and um and the cops ended up coming up to me and they were like we gotten like 30 30 911 phone calls and they were just like you know yeah we know it's mitch <laughs> and, then, and yeah but i'm not doing anything i'm not breaking the law you no know? you're not breaking the law that's no, good it's an open and, carry state and uh and nothing was vandalized so i mean it weren't mission accomplished that's uh yeah. peace through strength i think exactly that's it's fucking yeah. peace through strength like what that's what we're supposed to have yeah well, again, that's it's back to the point too. Is is um, I can be violent, but if we all behave, there's nothing's going to happen. It's fine. Absolutely, the, everything and, and that the I cops, have is contained if I needed to. And the cops' fucking hands were so tied, you know, and oh, they God, yeah. and they always are. So, like, you know, it's like at what point are American citizens going to fucking pick up the slack? You know, it's like, and I, and I've been saying this shit, you know, at, at nauseum lately about like our tyrannical government just needs to be fucking checked and uh that's what the second amendment is for yes. it's not for fucking hunting you know um, totally no it's not and even i mean and you again, don't have going... to do that through violence you can just do it uh, you can have peace through strength like seriously well that's the whole thing with strength is a deterrent because they know if they act up then something will happen but like right now i mean look at israel look at ukraine look at china look at look at the red uh the red sea all that stuff that's all happening because they know we won't do anything about it yeah, it's it's a uh, it's beyond pathetic to me that that France is and their citizens are doing a better job with checking their government than we are, you know. Um, and and it's just I I don't understand what it's gonna fucking take for American people to like finally say enough is enough and understand like their constitutional duty and like. You know, we're supposed to fucking our, our founding fathers knew that government was yes. going to get 
tyrannical and out of control and you're supposed to remove them. You're supposed to do that. And you can do that again. You don't have to do violent. You don't have to be violent, but you know, we have the second amendment for a reason. Like, it's to protect ourselves against the government. Against the government too. It has nothing, nothing to do with hunting. And even as dumb as the uh, the politicians are, like in California and New York, they they make these rules where uh, you know limited capacity magazines and you can't eject it without using a tool. All this stuff that's gonna, I mean, that's gonna totally kill you in a gunfight when you're fighting someone with a, an illegal weapon that doesn't have that, that has the full capacity magazine. It can change mags if they need to. All you're doing is handcuffing the normal people. And it's not the legal owning gun. I mean, it has been a little bit in the past, but generally the vast majority of legal gun owners are not the problems whatsoever. And it's, it's all these ridiculous rules aren't going to help, but it was never for, it was never for hunting. They're like, how, how, how many bullets do you need to hunt? It's like, well, I, I, an AR-15 is going to be good in my house if I get attacked by, you know, 10 people. And I'm, I'm going to need extra mags with extra rounds. Yeah. And, you know, and, and my thing is like, if, if our country could see through this bullshit and see this game that's going on and see that we, you know, it's not black versus white. It's not, it's not fucking any of that. It's literally we, the people versus the government, the government is the common enemy to all. They are the ones that are trying to keep American citizens, you know, divided and hating each other, left versus right, yes. black versus white, all that, because they do not want us to unite. Because I don't care if you have one bullet in a pistol, if all of America fucking united and and grabbed their one gun and their one pistol and and marched on fucking uh the capital or whatever you know and again not in a violent way but just in a peace through strength and strength in numbers like what the fuck are you gonna do what what are what are they gonna do at that point you know like what well, i mean we, we sort of saw what they're going to do because on uh, january 6th of uh, 2021 that you know they knew there would be a big rally there but they also knew that if they can get a few feds in there allegedly to open the gates and let them escort in they're going to act up a little bit and they can use the word insurrection to prevent Donald Trump from running again in 4 years and what, you, i mean what would happen you got to okay. you got to give the democrats credit they're very very organized and they see the long game where the republicans are just weak pussies yeah completely i mean not all of them that we we're starting to get a few veterans in there that i think are going are going to do a good job but i tell you what those are you, the guys that have been in there 30 plus years, that's uniparty. They all know each other. They all drink together. They all talk together. Okay. Back, back room deals. And then uh, having these veterans that are getting in, like did who I want to know, did, did any of them vote against this fucking, you know, money to Ukraine and stuff like, you know, I, you know, I, I got to look into that too. I know some of them did. I just don't know who yet, but I know some guys are in there that are good, but I think it's going to take two again. It's got to be numbers. You got to get, I, I think it, veterans are the best bet because at least they'll get in a room and talk to each other because Democrats and Republicans, the politicians won't even eat in the same cafeteria anymore, but vets will get together and you need some sort of, a, um, you need it. I think you need a group of people to go around and sort of take, take the reins, but that's that, you know, that's a long time in coming. And some guys that have been in there are like, this place is so corrupt. I'm getting out two terms in. That's enough for me. And it's, it's a sad state of affairs, but that's where term limits come in. But the problem is the lawmakers are the ones voting on the term limits and that's them. And they, like I said, they're not going to relinquish their power no matter what. Yeah. It's scary. It's definitely like scary to, to think that this, you know, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that like we're, that we're not just kind of fucked as a country and like uh, it hasn't gone too far and it has, you know, that the power isn't too, 
in one side's hands, you know, I, it's, well, I, China's China's been fighting this game for a long time. Everything from sending over honeypots for politicians to lining pockets of politicians and then sending their sleeper cells to the southern border. Because, I mean, and I hate to be right, but when it, when China tries to take Taiwan or does take Taiwan, if we defend them, they're going to activate sleeper cells here. And you asked what's it going to take for us to reunite. The, the sad truth is it's going to take something like an attack, an EMP or something here. But if you think about this, especially these younger generations, if there is a war here, I don't think a lot of them are going to fight. I don't think they have it in them. They're going to, no. they're going to take the, 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 the path of least resistance. A lot of collaborators like the damn mayor's son in red Dawn, you're going to see a lot of that, especially on the left coast when, uh, when they come in, because I don't think there are people that have it in them. There, there are some, but not a lot of them like in Portland, Oregon, you think they're going to fight against China? I don't, I don't think uh, people understand like the, the real possibility or, you know, threat that, that, like an October 7th can happen here. And especially with the border wide open and all these military age fighting men from China and from, from all over that are, that are pouring in. And, you know, it's not, it's not like these mom and, and little kids seeking a better no. life. It's, no. it's, you know, people with potentially bad intentions, you know, coming in here. And again, yeah, they're, they're down for the long game. They're down to be patient, you know, tactically patient and uh, wait for the, for the time to strike. Yeah. We have the clocks, but they have the time. And also what they're doing now, they're learning. They can, they can get these people from everywhere from Africa to Asia into Mexico and then get them a cheap flight from Mexico to Canada. They're actually coming over in the States in the Northeast now too. Both borders are open and everyone's realizing that. And, and, you know, a wall is a sort of a deterrent, but it's the it's the policies that are going to keep them out. People are going to get in if they want to get in. But these politicians, simply because of personal power, want more potential voters here because they think if they were the ones that got them in, they'll reelect them. And it's that simple. It's a uh, um, Washington, D.C. is a magnet for narcissists and most politicians and a lot of lobbyists and a lot of those lawyers out there are. And they're the ones, the NGOs. Um, making the calls that the lawmakers aren't even doing. It's it's uh, it's lobbyists, it's banks, people paying um, paying for campaigns. I mean that that those are the guys making the rules. Even you know in in Congress, these backdoor, closed door meetings. That's bullshit because you represent the the citizens. But most, I mean, there are people here that don't know where Canada is, that don't know there's 50 states, they don't know when we were founded, who we fought in the Revolutionary War, and that's again what the communists did by infiltrate the schools and teach them to be morons. Yeah, um, and. You know, uh, beyond beyond that, uh, I think I think they want to replace the military, um, you know, because they're trying to get these illegals to be able to to serve in the military. And I think what's happening is, you know, they're pushing this woke agenda and more and more bullshit. And they're pushing all the people that are independent thinkers and people that see, you know, what's going on, COVID, all this stuff for what it is. And. And they're saying, you know what? Fuck this. I'm I'm out of here. Like, I'm not I'm not doing this. And then you're gonna only be left with fucking yes men in the military. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, like, even those people are gonna get out, and and it's gonna be brought in with these illegals that are coming over. And you know, do you think they're gonna have any issue no. with you know martial law? And and if that's you know uh, becomes a thing, and it hey, it shoot shoot at these protesters shoot at these american citizens They're like these these aren't your real countrymen they're not no fellow patriots you know um and that's what i think you know kind of 
it could possibly happen. And I think there's what one of the things they're trying to set up. Well, I mean, even even with the everything from the Soros funded uh, districts attorney, uh, district attorneys to, uh, you know, everyone in, in the the uh, cashless bail to defund the police, to uh, take everything away from the police, lose the deterrent. It, you know, if, if I'm a, if I'm a criminal and I see that there, there are criminals in Florida that go to New York, steal in New York, go back and sell the stuff in Florida. And they asked them, why don't you just steal in Florida? And they're like, well, because we'll get arrested and put in jail here in New York. It's, it's free for all. J just the other day in New York, uh, three three people went in, three or four people went into uh, Gucci and walked out with $50,000 worth of shit, not paying for it. They're, they're gone. It's there's there, you know, the, the incentive's not there. And I think what people don't, they don't grasp even hide is, their faces. They don't no, do anything. No, they just, doesn't matter. Like, just it's, walk it's a, in nonchalant, take it, walk right out. And what they don't realize too, if you get dudes from Afghanistan, Senegal, sub-Saharan Africa, and they grow up very, very like real poverty and they, they come here, they're there. If they get here illegally, they have, they're not trying to assimilate. They don't give a shit about the constitution. It's fucking mayhem. It's, 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 it's Brie time, baby. You know, and, and I don't think people realize that you, they're not going to assimilate, especially in these numbers. And we're losing the country just because of that, that, you know, the, the, taking away the pride, like you said, separating um, uh, divide and conquer African-American, Asian-American, Irish-American. It's like we all are like even the black national anthem. The national anthem is for everybody. You don't need yeah. to make one for each group and divide and conquer. And all that's doing is pissing people off. Yeah, no, it really is. And, um, you know, and it, and it sucks that. It, it, it sucks that our society is so fucking pussified too that completely. I, I would never, if I saw somebody do that in a store and just come in and grab shit off the shelf and try to walk out, I, I have nothing to do with the store, whatever. I'm absolutely going to grab that motherfucker oh, and yeah. hold him down and, and be like, absolutely not. Like what the fuck? Th this is a society, you know, like you can't have that shit, but our, our society is so pussified. And then not only that, but the people that, do take action, get fucking punished yep. again. New York, the, like the Marine, that, uh, the Marine yeah. in, the, in New York that that choked that guy out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's and crazy. everybody, everybody on you the train be looked at as a fucking hero, you know. Like, mm -hmm. well, I mean, the issue too is that, uh, you know, I travel a lot, I talk to a lot of the country, and you know, on a positive note, most Americans actually agree with us. The problem is the, the leftists own the media and the social media. So they're going to give you the bullshit. Most people feel like this. Everyone on that train thanked that Marine for subduing that guy. Cause he, he was walking around being a menace. This Marine put him down. And that's yeah. that. I mean, it, it, most people want that, but they're not going to, they're going to push their narrative. You got those shooters in Kansas city the other day. We're not really talking about them because they didn't quite fit the straight white oh, male with a MAGA course. hat. So yeah. we're kind of just put that in the back burner. Yeah, of course. No. And everybody sees it. And, you know, what it takes is, I think, people speaking the fuck up, you know, and calling it like it is and not being afraid to be labeled a racist, labeled a fucking bigot, labeled a whatever. Shut the fuck up with your labels. I don't care. The isms you know? and ca calling people names and putting them down to the cancel culture. You've been canceled. I've been canceled. And I don't even think I'm mean to people. I just think if you tell the truth too often, the truth's going to get you in trouble. We can lie all day long. You know, we can let this dude play girls basketball at a middle school and hurt three people to the point where they have to forfeit the game. That's cool. However, if you say a boy has a penis, you're fired. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's wild. And, and down is up, and, up is and, down. It's wild. And again, I think that boils down to, you know, men being men in this country and, True. you know, men need to stand the fuck up and need to act like men and say enough with this shit and, and be unapologetic about it, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the whole thing with cancel culture is, 
you know, the, it drives me nuts when these people get on, you know, say something that offended someone and they have to go on and apologize about, because the, the left does not give a shit about your apology or the, the, oh, cancel, God, no. the, the no. cancel mob, whatever. They don't care nope. no matter how, but how much you apologize, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I've, and I've obviously been super outspoken this whole time of events against all the shit. And whenever any, whenever anybody came to me and, Oh, you're da da da. And I was like, Oh, cool. You want to apologize? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then it's like, what? that's not, the next person isn't going to come up and try to get an apology or whatever. It's you no. know where the fuck I stand. That, no, that, and, that's and it. Story. Yeah. That's I had, um, I had, I, I was filming a, a show. I was swimming with apex predators for a full year, filming a show proving, you know, at, but yeah, because in buds, we all swim in the uh, Pacific ocean, great white super highway, but no one's been attacked. I was filming the show to prove you're not on the menu filmed it for a long time. The entire year uh, we're getting ready to, it's a major network. I'm not going to mention them uh, right, right in the, uh, the summer of love 2020. And they hit me up and said, well, we're not going to air it. We're going to, we've filmed this for a year. It costs a shit ton of money to make brilliant show to, all about the environment, the ecosystem, why sharks are good, why all this is good and the whales and all that, you know, violent hippie shit. And uh, they said, well, you, you said on Twitter that uh, BLM, I said something like black lives definitely matter, but BLM is a Marxist organization. And I got canceled for that. Yeah. <laughs> it, but I mean, and, and that's the truth. And I mean, look at BLM later, a couple of years later, they found out they were taking the funds to buy the houses for them and their families and living in the, the rich neighborhoods. And they're not uh, doing anything for the black community. It's, it's how do you not see this? And if you do see it, you can't say anything because you'll lose your livelihood. Yeah, no, but I, I've always tried to encourage people to, with that, especially during like the BLM. Cause I was, you know, very just blatantly saying fuck black lives matter. And I'm not apologizing for that. And, and, you know, um, and, and like with pe when people would say, Oh, you're racist. I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. To, I don't give a fuck what you call me or, or label me because, you know, it's like, yeah, I have a six, I have six pack abs. Like, so do you think if you called me fat, do you think that that holds any fucking like right. real weight or value to me? Right. Like, no, it doesn't. Same thing. You call me a fucking racist. I'm no, I know I'm not racist. So like, I, it means nothing to me. It's like, shut the fuck up. I don't care. And like, that's what I keep telling people like to encourage them to like, just speak up because that's what the problem is, is too many people are afraid of these labels. They're afraid. Of, yes, they are. You know, they're afraid of, of being demonized or canceled or whatever. And, and it's like, that's why people are too quiet and pandering and, and this fucking shit is getting out of control. Just, yeah, just, just because you call me something doesn't make it true. Just no. because you decide something. I mean, and if you're offended, go fuck yourself. I, yeah. I, like one of the things about me is I, I encourage people, anything you want, say it to me and getting offended. What that does nothing. It's like, you're yeah. right or you're wrong. And, and by the way, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. No, okay, yeah. fine. I was wrong on that, but yeah, just, yeah, I, I did, uh, I did Greg Gutfeld show. We filmed that in New York city. And I made a joke inside as I was leaving this 20 year old white girl pulled me aside and says she was offended at my joke. And I said, which joke? The joke I said was uh, I was making fun of those uh, liberal women that went over to Syria. And I said, they had this grand idea of joining the caliphate and becoming an ISIS bride. And then they were disappointed because once they get there, they're getting passed around like a joint at a fish concert. And that's the truth. And that happened. And she was offended. I'm like, well, go fuck yourself. Go to Syria. Maybe they'll, maybe you're, I'm not, I, I don't think that, uh, that, uh, sexual assault is funny, but ISIS can suck it. I don't give a, you go to ISIS, you get what you deserve. And that by the way, is a huge dose of reality. Oh, it's like the, uh, 
queers for Palestine. I will pay for their <laughs> tickets to go to Gaza. Actually, you know, don't even go to Gaza. I'll send you to the West Bank. Go, you, you go to Syria, send you to Iraq. Walk around with that flag and see what they do to you there. Yeah, that's just uh, delusional, you know. Um, well, they're being taught bullshit. Yeah, and, and people just want a virtue signal and all this stuff, but they don't understand. They really don't understand any of it. They don't care to understand no. any of it either. Do you th do you think um, the leftists, the 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 flag waving blue haired people, would would be would change their stance on Hamas if they realized Hamas is the, the extreme right wing? Because they uh -huh. are. I no, mean, it's, you got to figure it's extreme right wing. They they don't like gay marriage. They're extremely religious. I think I think it's more. I think it's more of like you know, they view like Jews as as the white rich people and they're oppressing the poor brown people. So I well, think Jesus, that's, Jesus wasn't rich. And I think he was Brown. I think, I think, yeah, but I think that's what they, they view it as. Well, they're being taught that. And you only, you only know what you're taught. All right. Okay. Uh, we'll but get anyway, back into this. Yeah. I got, we I got, can go I, on and on and on. I know we are, we are going forever. to, but we got, we got to, I got to hear some bud stories. I got to hear, <laughs> we got to get into that. Cause that's like, that's something I do know a little bit about because I can, I can, I can, you know, sort of talk through MMA, but you're the, you're the pro there. I want to hear about why the Navy. Um, I literally joined the Navy because I was bored. I didn't have, you know, I just graduated high school. Um, I was roofing. I was, uh, I, I was working three jobs. I was roofing. I was a surf instructor at Kalahari and oh, yeah. And I worked at my uh, mom and stepdad's little convenience store, deli store. And, um, I was just doing that. I definitely knew I was not going to go to college and um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, and a Navy recruiter had came in one day to the store and I was with my mom and um, he was just like, hey, you, you uh, do you want to join the Navy? And I was like, eh, sure. Why not? And really? he's like, yeah. And uh, was, it, was that a, was that Virginia? No, that was in Ohio. I thought you said you were surfing at Kalahari. I was a surf instructor at Kalahari is the largest indoor water park. Got, gotcha. Sorry about that. I, I okay. No, that but, if you knew something about Ohio, I didn't know that's badass. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he just came, like he just came, came in on a whim. He's trying to fill it. He said, said, fuck just, it. Just bored. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I really don't know what I want to do. I didn't like Ohio. And, um, and my, my mom and dad and stepdad were all in the Navy and, you know, my dad, my dad always wanted me to join the military. Like he always tried to encourage me to join the military. Mm -hmm. And I just had zero interest, uh, growing up. I was just like, nah, no thanks. And he was a combat cameraman, um, for green team and seal team eight and stuff like that. Oh, so, yeah. So, uh, he deployed to, uh, Iraq and, um, desert storm and all that with, with the seal teams. And so like he, but I had no interest in like anything in the military. So like he had like, you know, he would dive and jump with, with the team guys and stuff like oh, cool. that and shooting and stuff. And so like he, I just knew he was like a military guy. Like he was like a soldier guy. I didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't really care. And, um, uh, and like, he was always trying to get me doing it. I was like, nah, it's not for me. No, thanks. Not interested. And, uh, and then, I remember my senior year of high school, like all my friends at the time were joining there. They wanted to join the military and they're like, yeah, let's do the buddy program. We'll all be together, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and eh, nah, that's not for me. No, thanks. And then I ended up joining 
and none of them did. Oh no shit. <laughs> yeah. Now was no, it no. was it um was it like I I want a contract for to be a Navy SEAL? Or did you know what a you know what a SEAL was? But how'd you get no, that? I, so I didn't know what a SEAL was. Um, uh, but that recruiter was like, "You you look like you're in good shape. Do you want to be a SEAL?" And I was like, uh, "I don't really." I was like, "That the, the only thing I'd seen was like the the commercial of the footprints coming out of the beach." Yeah, that's their most you know? famous commercial. Yeah, so that was like the only thing I knew about them. And I didn't even know that my dad worked like, like for them or with them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and my mom was like, yeah, they're like the rock stars of the military. Like, you know, if, if you were to join the military, I, that's the only thing I could see you doing. And I was like, all right, sure. Whatever. I'll be a seal. And so I was just <laughs> like, yeah, it's just I'll that be, easy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll do it. I didn't even know I had to go to buds or anything. <laughs> just put, yeah. Put, put you in. Here's your team. There's your cage. Here's, yeah, here's your pins like, and gun. I was like, okay. And, um, so I, uh, I went and I rented the movie or I bought the movie, um, Navy seals with Char Charlie Sheen. You mean and, that guy right there? Yeah, there you go. And that, <laughs> he, that, he signed that as Hawkins after the lady sent it to me and said, uh, uh, we did it. Love Hawkins. Nice. nice. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was literally my first like introduction to Navy seals and like, even like an idea of what they were. Mm. And, um, and I was like, okay, so these guys are like, you know, assassins type people or whatever. And, um, and, you know, in, in the, in the movie Navy SEALs, the, the bud scene, you know, where the guys are like bear crawling, like under yeah. like barbed wire and mud and they're like in the woods and there's mm -hmm. like swick boats and, and they're and like body uh, carries and shit. And they're like, uh, what what is it called? Uh, spy rigging and shit. Yes, and, I remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing that spy rigging. <laughs> and they're like, "This is," and he's like talking to the girl, and he, you know, there's explosions and shit going on. He's like, "This is Bud's training, Boa." And I was like, "Oh shit, I gotta go through all that. <laughs> I gotta do that. All this and in a like, paycheck too." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, that that looks pretty gnarly or whatever." And that was like what I thought Bud's was, and then yeah. you know, and I like told I called my dad and I was like, "Hey, dad, I'm I'm gonna be a seal." I signed, you know, I signed up, I'm joining the Navy. I'm going to be a seal. And he's like, what? Like, do you have any idea? Like what the hell you're talking, like what you're signed up for? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a seal. And it's yeah, like, shit blows up and I'll be there know? in no time. And he's like, you know, you have to go to buds. And I'm like, you know, okay, what's that? You know? And then he, he bought me the, uh, the discovery channel, the two, three, four documentary. Yep. So, and then I watched that and I was like, oh fuck, like <laughs> I got to go through all that. Like I've, I've only run like a mile in my life. You know, I was going to ask you that. How was your cardio? Like you're swimming and stuff. I was a sprinter because like I played football and basketball and lacrosse. So like mm -hmm. it was never like distance running. It was always, you know, suicides and like just yeah. lots of sprinting. So, um, I'd never run like further than a mile. Like that was crazy to me. And I remember like seeing in the documentary, like you're running four miles in the, in the soft sand or whatever, yeah, with your boots, boots and pants. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, <laughs> why would someone like run that far? That's <laughs> ridiculous. So, uh, great. What, what time of years you go through great lakes, uh, boot camp? Uh, right. Uh, I, I went there January, like second or something like that. January yeah. 2nd or 3rd. That's uh, I was there in the, in the winter cold yeah i went through in january it's uh, oh my it's... god boot camp was so fucking stupid like yes <laughs> i remember like they they made us wear these wool sweaters 
like they they dressed you like the fucking michelin men you know and and uh it was just so over the top ridiculous and i and i i hate being like really hot and uh it was it was just miserable wearing those itchy ass wool fucking sweaters in those dungarees we were putting the, the the they put towels on us. We were wearing shower towels as scarves and shit. That's in the nineties, though. I don't know what they had to do. I didn't have the wool sweater. Yeah, no, it it was it was uh definitely annoying. And then uh you get orders to buds. Now, how did that see when you went through they had did you have the the buds pipeline through boot camp or how yeah, did that so work? I, I was the first class for the buds prep. And cool. um so yeah, we we and we had like a half and half division where half of the people would uh or half of the people were going out for some sort of special program whether it was seal swick diver yes. eod and um so half of us would we had to wake up at like three in the morning and go pt with the seal dive motivators and do that for like an hour or two every day and then come back and then start our normal boot camp day Mm -hmm. So that was that for boot camp, And then when you got out of boot camp, we did um, 12 weeks of buds prep. Now what's that? So it was like just every day was swimming. And then you, you, uh, you either swam and lifted or you swam and ran and you did like, uh, it was all just like calisthenics and physical working out. Like, and uh, it was just basically a, 12 week program, like a workout program mm -hmm. and, um, led by the dive motivators and other, uh, there were some civilians too, that were like specialists in running specialists in swimming specialists in lifting and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And they were just trying to get people more physically prepared. Yes. Um, but, uh, and you know, and it, that was fine or whatever. I, I mean, obviously I had never really like done any of that shit. I had actually learned, my combat side stroke the day before my PST from Mike Noss. Get the seriously the day before. The day before, yeah. Mike wow. Noss was he was the first SEAL I ever met. Mm -hmm. Do you know who that that is? I do not. He's he's a he's an old Vietnam frog. He's a plank owner at, at Damnick and oh, uh, shit. yeah, and uh, he's a badass and he's like six two six three something like that he's had like a hip replacement he kind of walks with like a limp but he mm -hmm. swims like a fish still and uh he's just you know badass dude and uh i remember meeting him he was the first seal i met and he taught me you know how to do the combat side stroke the day before i did my pst and got that's my awesome that no see that's that makes sense uh when they started doing that to get the guys um physically prepared or at least smart smartly physically prepared to get there i think now what i've heard i, I didn't see any of it because I, I i'd been done with it before that but i think one of the issues was some of the guys get a little too cocky thinking that's going to be buds and they get out there and they just get destroyed is that oh, I mean, what I are mean, your thoughts there, on the prep? there was a ton of people quitting all throughout that thing too you know um and like there was people quitting all from boot camp all through buds prep all through you know ptrr in doc first phase by the time you even got to first phase, like a hundred people have already quit, you yeah. know? And, um, but yeah, it, it definitely just wasn't, it doesn't matter how prepared you are physically. Like yes, if you're not true. mentally ready to but, just like, and people like, I think that was, that was what I recognized was there was so many people that were thinking like buds is a game that they're going to win. 
or something totally. or like that they're going to navigate and and get through like like you know and it's just not like you you have to go there understanding that the whole point of this is to get you to quit the whole point of it is to make you miserable and 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 weed out the people that you know that are going to quit and that's it it's not something that you're going to win the favor of the instructor oh, no. or no. something like that and like there was people like i remember like I tried my hardest and they just told me I was a turd. <laughs> like, <they> would like, <laughs> like fuck with them. Or like, you know, they're, they're, they're yelling about their room inspections and, oh, geez, yeah. those, those and you know, and it's like, how, how can I fucking trust you on an op? You can't mm -hmm. even, you know, get all the sand out of your room. And it's just like, mm -hmm. Oh God, I'm not worthy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and yeah, they'll, they'll even, if, if, even if you don't have sand in, they'll bring sand in their pockets and make sure there's sand on your bed. Oh man. I remember, I remember one time, uh, my roommates, uh, they, they wanted to, um, so I was, I was married at the time when I went through bud. So I had, I lived off base, but you know, obviously you still have to have a room there for yes. room inspections and all that shit. And I remember my, my roommates, uh, they lived there in the room all the time or whatever. So, um, I was like, all right, let's, you know, do you guys want to meet up and we'll clean, um and they they wanted to wait until you know like sunday night or whatever and i'm like all right whatever and they're wanting to like just go like ham on this room and i'm like let's just clean it as best we can but like it's not worth staying no. up all fucking no. night and, no, it is not. and losing no. all this sleep to you know, it's a fucking game. Like they're going to pass you a failure. Fail. What's yes. the, and then if you fail, you get a 30 minute fucking extra beat down. That's it. Who go gives a there, fuck? Like get wet, get take a full night beating. of sleep. That's it. Yeah. And you're going to be wet and sandy all fucking day anyway. You, I, <laughs> I saw that too. Guys are, it's, it's almost guys. You're not going to pass. But yeah. And they're, they're going to wait till like a week before first phase is over it, for you to pass. Like you're fucked they, every they, single time. Like they were looking at me like, like you're a turd for having that mindset. And I'm no, like, no, you guys smart. are dumb for having your yes. mindset. Like, yes, this is your, like, just you, I don't, I'm not saying just show up like a sloppy mess, but we can spend an hour on this, make it presentable. That's it. And, and if it passes, it passes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Who cares? But I'm not going to stay up all fucking night. No. And, and clean it. That's, that's dumb. Like, I'd rather yes. get a full night of sleep and prepare for the day of buds. That's it. And, <laughs> get know, some rest and then you're, we're taking our medicine all day long. But I was the asshole for saying, for having that mindset. And then, you know, the best thing that it was so fucking funny, but at, for me, it was hilarious, but it, it like they pissed them off so bad and they're like fuck you after that but uh like so the next day we're standing there you know in in front of our racks waiting for, or in front of our lockers waiting for our room inspection and the instructors are just walking through the hallway they don't even come in the room they just walk by fail <laughs> you're shitting me I'd never heard that before. By uh, it was just, you know, it was like uh, just one of the instructors was just in a pissed off mood, you know, and he just walked by and didn't even, didn't even like, didn't even break stride, didn't even look in, nothing, just walked by, fail. And that was it. <laughs> and I was just like, I fucking told you, motherfuckers. And, you know, oh, and I was that's awesome. And they were so fucking mad, you know, like my roommates were so fucking mad at me. And, you know, and I'm just like, look, this is the game. It, it is a game. The game is to fucking fuck with your head. Don't let it.
That, you know, seriously, like, you can't. You can't. And yeah, and you're not. You're not going to win. It's a mental fuck, and it's like you need to be, you know, concentrating on on uh, running on your shin splints and broken toes. Like we're yeah. not past the room inspection. Next evolution. Let's make it to lunch. Oh my god, man! So like that kind of shit. Just like it just didn't fuck with me at all mentally. Like like the the instructor shit did not fuck with me at all because I realized like these guys are in a role and. Yes. And you're in a role and their role is to fucking make your life miserable is to make you question whether you want to be here or not. It's to make you fucking want to quit. And like, if you're, you're allowing them to essentially manipulate you or like how you're feeling and stuff. And to me, I just thought the whole fucking thing was absolutely hilarious. I loved buds. Like the, the, like them fucking with people and because, and I think because, um, in high school, I was a roofer. Okay. Yes. And I was the youngest guy on the crew by far. Like then, and, and these guys that I roofed with, I love these guys to this day. Um, uh, and they, this one dude, Steve in particular, Steve minor, uh, shout out Steve minor. I swear. He's like one of the main reasons I got through buds. Uh, this dude used to harass the fuck out of me. Like you, I'm talking like you, think about hazing or whatever mm-hmm. this dude used to fuck with me so hard all the time just like i was the shingle bitch you know uh at you know i started roofing with them when i was 15 and he just did not give a fuck he was probably 38 at the time something like that but just super immature but hilarious and mm-hmm. like he would we you know they'd be stripping the shingles off the roof and i'd be having to grab them and run them over to the dump truck throw them in and stuff and he would be like hey mitch he'd be like hey bitch go fetch and he'd throw the shingles in the, <laughs> in the yard and stuff like that and like he wasn't even that great of a worker but my boss just literally <laughs> kept him there for comedic relief because he was so funny hey mor- morale is is a key to having um, a good team if you can if you e- can't if even you though i was the even though I was the butt of the jokes 90% of the time, I, I thought they were hilarious too. Cause I have a dark sense of humor and, you know, and, and it was just funny to me. And like, it was, everyone else was laughing and, and the shit he did was funny, you know? And uh, so it was like, and, 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 and to this day, like that was the best job I ever had, like oh, cool. working with those guys. It was such a fun fucking crew. And me and Steve are great friends to this day. Oh, cool. Like, that's yeah, cool. no, no, like it was, it was, and it was just fucking hilarious. And uh, so, like going to buds, I was like, these instructors don't have shit on Steve. That's <laughs> awesome. Know? That's so cool. And uh, so that I was used to that kind of shit, and I thought it was hilarious. I literally thought it was hilarious. Like I remember one time in a room inspection, one of the instructors came in and uh, opened my locker and just took the shaving cream out of my locker and just covered like just my head and face and just like with the whole can of, of shaving cream, my head was like this big as shaving cream. And, um, you know, just because, you know, and, and I was just trying so hard not to laugh, you know, but yeah, I was but, having fun with that kind of shit. Like, like the mindset is everything too. That's, that's part yeah. of it right there. The realization is a fucking game. They're doing their job. Their job is to do this. You can't, can't let it get to you that that's, <laughs> the room inspection everyone I, every seal i've ever talked to there's always a room inspection story because that i mean that is pure comedy yeah no it was it was funny dude i i loved seeing the buds instructors fuck with people even if it was me like you know it was if it's funny it's funny you know and that, that's <laughs> yeah, just true. how i looked at it like 
Yes. And, and even if it sucks and like, we have to, you know, get an extra beat down or whatever, it's like, you have to find humor in things, yes. you know, and, and like, especially shitty things like, yeah, the, the darker, the times, if you can bring humor out, it brings people together. Oh my God. I mean, I, I, I had that so much in Afghanistan and just, just in buds and everything. It's like all the shittiest times you can think of. And there's a ton of shitty times in the SEAL teams during oh, training. God, yeah. You know, it's, it's fucking miserable a lot. And if you can't find the humor in these shitty situations, like you're going to be miserable. So you, know? you, uh, you get done with buds and head out to the East coast. So you're back in Virginia beach seal team 10, correct? Yep. And then how did, how did that now did, when you were in uh third phase, did you guys get like a dream sheet? When I went through, we had a dream sheet at the time. It was uh one, three, five, two, four, and eight. Um, yeah. And, and then it was a one, three, five, seven, two, four, eight, ten. Did you put, did they give you a dream sheet or did you pick a coast or a team or how'd you do that? Yeah. I can't remember if we, I think, I think we, we just picked our coast. Yeah. And, um, and I originally got orders to seal team five on the West coast, yep. <clears throat> which I probably should have stuck with, but, uh, but at the time, and I was excited, um, you know, cause I liked San Diego at the time and, yeah. and I was like, yeah, this is cool. And, um, uh, but I remember I told my family that I was like, yeah, I got orders to seal team five. And they were like, Oh, like kind of bummed out. And yeah, bummed like, out you're not coming back. Damn, East, yeah. Like we, you know, we wanted you to be here because you're closer. Cause all my family's on the East coast and, and, uh, you know, and I still have family in Virginia beach and stuff. And, and I was like, ah, well, and I was pretty close to my family. So I was like, ah, all right. So I switched with someone in my class. Oh, and you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you guys both agreed. Um, oh, cool. you know, so, we, so it's not, it's like a one for one. And, um, so I ended up getting orders to team 10 and, uh, yeah. And that was, when, that, uh, that was cool. when, when we went through, you, they just gave you your orders. And, um, when I was, the, when I went out to the East coast, a uh, sealed delivery vehicle team two was still there. They got rid of that obviously because you dive in an SDV in Virginia beach in the winter has got to be the worst shit imaginable. But when, when they were giving us our orders, we were in the classroom uh, on San Clemente Island and they were handing them out. And the instructor who told me, he said, O'Neill. And he went SDV. Oh, excuse me. Seal team two, but between SDV and seal team two was the longest half a second in my life. Everything. I hate being in cold water underwater. Uh, and every, my entire life flashed before my eyes before he corrected himself. But again, yeah. the East Coast to me was it was a good deal too. So, so uh, getting out to Team Ten. What, I, I what wish you, I would have. I wish I would have taken uh, SDV orders to Hawaii. To Hawaii, yeah. There's a big difference between. I had never been to I had never been to Hawaii until after I got out. Right after I got out of the SEAL teams and got out of the Navy, I went on a trip to Hawaii, and I was like. I was like, how the fuck have I never, how is oh, no one talking yeah. about how fucking awesome Hawaii is? Like, yes. it's amazing. Hawaii is awesome. yes. And I was like, fuck, man. Like, I if I would have known this, I would have fucking definitely taken orders to STV. Well, it would have been hard to trade orders for STV to SEAL Team 5. Every, everybody was, like, dreading STV. There was only, yeah. like, a handful of guys that got STV. And, and everybody was, like, dreading it because nobody wanted to dive all the time or whatever. Time. But, you know, um then talking to like a couple of my friends that have been there and stuff, they're like, Oh dude, SDVs, that's where it's at. Yeah. And I, yeah. And that, that was, yeah. what do you think? Is that, is that like a, a well-kept secret now? Cause Hawaii, I, they be. must be, they must be yeah. keeping the secret. 
Yeah, when I went through the because we didn't have SQT, we had STT, and then and then you get schools, and they would actually entice guys to take SDV orders just by promising to give them free fall. So because you didn't get it in the pipeline yeah. necessarily, like it, it took it took me like four or five years to get free fall at SEAL Team Two, but that was like an incentive. You come out here, we'll teach you how to skydive. But I think yeah, I'm I'm thinking now because uh, I did some training with SDV One in Hawaii, and it's like this is awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. But they Definitely. can keep that. They can keep that that mini submarine. I don't. I still don't have any desire, especially sitting in the back, just chilling. Not they moving. To, they get to do some cool shit too, you know. Yeah, they, oh, they, although they do, they definitely do. They get some pretty big missions. They have since the beginning. Um, what what year did you check into Team Ten on the East Coast? Two thousand nine. So the wars are going. What? Um, yeah. So your first deployment is going to be to uh, Afghanistan then. Afghanistan. Yep. Yeah. Well, so so you get to the teams and you're in a platoon. What was the? How long was the workup? So I I had gotten there right right in. Um, I had like the longest new guy stint ever. It was three Christmases. I was a new guy and I was oh, like, shit. yeah, I was like, God, this is insane. Um, it was miserable, but, uh, yeah, I had gotten there when right before the team had checked in or, or, you know, they were on deployment when mm -hmm. I, when I had gotten there. Oh, right. The so, whole team goes. So it was a long time, you know, uh, the long full workup. And then when, uh, right before, like, I don't even know a couple months before we deployed they were like hey um we're gonna do we're gonna do some weird thing where we're gonna try to sync up with the army schedule or whatever so you guys are gonna do an 11 month deployment you're basically gonna go back to back and uh yeah and we were like damn like because that was you know it was always six months for the vanilla yes. side and then mm -hmm. you guys did three months and then you went to four months yes mm -hmm. um so <laughs> I remember, I remember when, uh, you know, I was like, oh shit. Okay. That's, that's a long ass time. Like, so like, your, fir your first deployment was 10 months, 11. Yeah. 11 months. Jesus. Where, where, where at? To Afghanistan. And and to which part of Afghanistan? Helmand province. Okay. And I yeah. mean, how was that? How was 2009? That's pretty hot down there in Helmand. It was 2011 I mean, by the time we deployed. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, that was, I think, the bloodiest year of the war. It was really, you know, really heavy with IEDs. Yes. That was, that was like a really bad um, thing that we were dealing with. Um, and obviously extortion happened. Yep. During then too. And uh, and your guys' raid happened yep. during then. And, but yeah, I remember um, I had checked in, was a new guy for that Christmas and then did the workup was a new guy for that Christmas. And then I was in Afghanistan as a new guy for that, for that Christmas. Christmas. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's okay. I, was like, I was, I was trying to do the math of how are you a new guy for three Christmases, but that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I was like, I, I was just like, my God, this is my third Christmas as a fucking new guy. This that's is a long time. This is a long fucking time. <laughs> what was now, what was the standard day in Helmand province on that deployment? Uh, there was no standard day. I would say like it, it was, I mean, sometimes we were doing uh, two ops a day where it was like, you know, uh, patrolling through different villages and, um, or like doing, you know, sometimes we got to do some cool shit with the nighttime snatch and grabs, riding the dirt bikes and night and nods. And oh, that's you know, awesome. we got, we, yeah, we got to do a lot of, a lot of cool shit. We were the furthest, um, furthest outpost from any major base in afghanistan and um 
so we were at Bagok and then um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but we we were at the furthest outpost and you know and then like seven months into that i mean like we didn't have running water the whole time oh shit you know uh shitting in fucking uh barrels that we had cut in half with deck cord and filled up with uh diesel fuel and like like we literally had to burn our own shit and eating mres and it was like a treat if we got uh you know one of the locals to like cut up a goat Got to go cook them in the ground. Yeah. yeah. What, what? What? Where was it? Which? Which outpost was this? That was Bagok. I I haven't even heard of that. Bagok, and then um, and then we moved like seven months into it or something. We went like thirteen miles north to Chinar. Who Who was all with you? How many How many people with like seals of support at the OP? How many guys were there? Um, it was my platoon, and then we had. We had like a handful of support guys, like uh, maybe like five or six support guys. Um, and then and then we had like there was a Green Beret uh, group with us as well, like a platoon of Green Berets. Mm-hmm. And like you live like you're living in bee huts. Yeah. And but no running water. That's I mean, no running water. B huts. Like we were, we were also having to do watches every night. Like yeah, so, you know, well, that's so a you, no shit watch too. That's like the, yeah, you know, no, our base got attacked like regularly. So yeah. it was you know you can't fucking sleep out there like you know literally and figuratively. But uh, yeah, we had to do watches every night. So you know we had to watch bill and and it was everyone was on the watch bill from the newest yeah. new guy to the fucking to the most senior guy out there wow. and uh you know to try to break it up and uh it, it was pretty hard living you know and yeah no running water at all no no plumbing at all um mres and shit shit food and uh getting attacked and you know and then doing our missions on top of that that's yeah and, uh... and then like oh. i said so that that was like and then seven months of that, like living like that, we're obviously like building up the place the whole time, like trying yeah, to trying to, try to homestead it. Yeah. I mean, you're fucking sleeping on a tent you know, or on a cot. I mean, in a tent at first. Mm-hmm. And then like eventually we got bee huts, you know, and it was like, oh, this is a step up. And then it was fucking wow. seven months in. It was like, hey, we're going north 13 miles to to create more white space, you know. And and then so it's like, fuck. All right. We got to pack up and go. And now we're seal bees, you know. So Seal bees. <laughs> yeah. They were having to fucking Phil Hesco's and shit like that. And and I remember sleeping in uh using the parachute that like from our air supply, resupply, you know, using that as like a blanket and shit. And like oh, sleeping. so you're getting you're getting res- no shit airdrop resupplies the whole fucking time. Oh my god. I shit that I was, was the only <laughs> way we got our our shit was was resupplies, like air airdrop resupplies, and half the shit would burn in, you know. Oh shit. We were we were bitching so that, that our was, diamond shoes were too tight and the internet didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like like that was like, hey, this is what we gotta go do uh for the first half of the day is go retrieve the fucking air air supply resupply that we just got, you know. I mean where we were was, working, like we were doing some some bullshit. Where was the uh the drop zone for the airdrops? How far out outside the wire was that? 
Uh, like like a quarter mile or so. Some some, but some of the shit, depending on the wind or whatever, would go. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Far. And plus, I mean, you you go out the wire. Uh, gunfights, IEDs can be anywhere. Oh, we had we had IEDs like within a hundred yards of our outside the wire. So it was like, you know, no, it was like a no shit. Like we have to put on body armor and and guns and you know. But like we eventually like we were just used to it. Like we were just like wild children, you know, like desert people out there. Dude, and, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna eventually adapt to the the uh, Mad Max type Spartan. Oh my you. god, it was so much like that. I mean. You know, we're just grungy, fucking nasty. Like we haven't showered in months. Smell Ugh. like you know, we just smell like like wet dogs. I remember, I remember doing a um, like we rotated every once in a while. We got to go work with our sister platoon, and they were at uh, Camp Simmons or something like that. Or you know, we had we had people at we had a platoon at Camp Simmons and a platoon at at uh, at uh, Cal and they had like nice bases with like running water oh, yeah. and, and like cafeterias with like good food and yep. you know like crazy like you're living better than at home oh yeah you know and uh and i remember like getting to go there it was like we were like we were like orphans or something like you know like oh my god please you have food can i have food <laughs> and like you have running showers and oh my god this is so nice and and i remember the first time i took a shower after like four months and um oh. and i remember four months uh, <laughs> i remember i literally remember being in the shower and you know starting to wash off and and it's distinctly smelled like like when you give your dog a bath and and i remember thinking like it smells like a dog in here and i was like oh fuck that's me that's, that's that must be me i was like wow and like you you kind of get used to your even the stink. yeah yeah you get used to it. you don't even notice it yeah especially like out there where we were like everyone uh -huh. no one was showering no everyone stunk you know and it was like in the summer it's fucking 120 degrees oh god and, yeah it's hot as buff. and, well, and I mean walking like 20 kilometer patrols like sometimes uh -huh. like it was it was no shit man it was it was very hard living for sure. Oh, it is. Well, and, and for people who haven't ever been to Afghanistan and it's a different fucking world, but even when you get off the plane and that you hit that air and it, it smells like you just walked into an owl's house and that's day one. Mm -hmm. And that, that's not a, it's not a, it's not uh, a nice smelling. I, I mean, the, the longest, the longest I went without a shower, I think was maybe 30 days in Iraq and just walking, you know, flying back to, to Baghdad international and going into the talk where the, the, the like the, the computer guys are and you can see them looking around like well who brought the dog in here and we you yeah. know you don't realize it's you until you realize it's you that's crazy oh yeah no for sure we we definitely looked like just these uh mountain people or something like that you know to to our uh, even to our own teammates like that were in the the nicer places Ugh. and they were just like fuck man that's rough <laughs> but did you did you ever get to uh jbat to jalalabad or anything like that mm-hmm yeah. I got my, my last deployment, um, my last appointment with red team, right before the bin Laden raid, I was running some outstations, but they had, they put me as the, uh, senior enlisted advisor at the CIA base on JBAT. And that, I mean, so we got you down in, down near Hellman living Spartan. I'm a, the place they put me up. I'm talking your own room with your own shower. They got a nightclub, uh, and a bar. Like, <laughs> it looks like a, like a European resort. Like I, 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 I might as well have 
you know, have been in Tahoe and then yeah, you're out there living in the bullshit. It, uh, Afghanistan experiences may vary. <laughs> yeah, no shit. It all, it's all about the money too. We got in with the, the agency and who knows where their money comes. So the only thing I learned from them is that a million dollars cash weighs about 33 pounds. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, we didn't have any of that. And what, uh, so now what, I was um, literally burning, burning our shit. Like with a skid steer, I'd go in and pick up the, the barrels of our shit and they were just, fucking flies everywhere oh god and like when you when you went to go take a shit like flies all on your asshole and and just it was just <laughs> awful man it was it was bad and i mean uh, is it is it i mean is it worth just going somewhere else and just shitting on the ground no <laughs> no well there's but, gonna be flies on your asshole everywhere welcome to yeah. afghanistan <laughs> no it was, it was that's just how it was man and it was it was fucking like, like I said, very, very hard living and, and, but it was a cool experience. It was a cool life experience. Oh no, there's no doubt about it. it you is, know, yeah. like it, it really made me kind of realize like, I don't need fucking anything because yeah. I, I, I brought out a fucking, like a little Pelican case of, of my belongings, my personal stuff. And that was it. I didn't ask for a fucking care package the whole time I was there from my family, nothing. I didn't want anything. And um, the only time I asked for some, for a care package, I was sick as fuck. And just, I, I was so sick because like I said, it's just unsanitary, whatever. And I got super sick and I was puking and shitting and I had two IVs hooked up to me. And I remember like my ass was just so like raw from, from this shitty toilet paper that we had. And mm -hmm. I remember, and I remember just like calling my grandma and I was like, grandma, can you please send me some soft toilet paper? No kidding. And she was like, Oh yeah. I was like, I'm super <laughs> sick. Like I, I just, and my ass hurts. I just need some soft toilet paper. And you know, and obviously it's not like I'm going to get that Amazon overnight type shit. No, no, no it's going to take a while. So like a ring route, like, you know, for us to get our mail took at least a month. Oh, so like, a month later, obviously, like I'm feeling fine. And, and then I get a, some mail and it, and it's like a case of, of soft toilet paper. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that, I mean, that's a, that's a pot of gold right there, man. You can, if, if, yeah. if, if you know, you can, you can barter with that. You can probably get anything for some soft toilet paper. What's yeah. uh, So what, what, how many, uh, do you get any badass ops out there? What's it, what's a good story? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely got to do some, some really cool stuff. Um, that you know i i don't know it's i i feel i feel uh i feel like kind of silly or even awkward uh telling like mission stories or anything like that especially with someone like you or you know there's there's other seals out there on like damn neck and and you know, just in, in, just in general, there's other people out there that have done so much more than me that I don't, you've, you've just been explaining stuff that I didn't even know happened. Come on, give me a break. That the stuff you just told me is, I mean, cause I wasn't there now it's fascinating, but boy, that must've just fucking sucked. Yeah. I mean, I'm just talking about like, I, I just feel, I just feel like, uh, I feel silly even talking about some of the ops we've done, even though like we did get to do some really cool shit and, yeah. um, you know, but, but I, I just, I don't know. That's not my well, style. Okay. Like okay. Well, I do have to ask this though. Okay. Just me being me. Um, so like what, living the living situation and stuff like that, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't care to talk about that, but no, but okay. What, what, what happened? So the night, cause you were in Afghanistan and we flew over from Virginia beach, uh, right around the end of April to go to Abbottabad, Pakistan. And after that happened, what were, what was 
like people back home saying to you? Because you're a SEAL over there. We had another squadron over there, a bunch of SEALs over there. And, and everyone, as soon as it happened, uh, everyone's family member was like, oh, that was him. Yeah. What, what, what kind of well, shit did you get so, for that? So I'll say a couple things before that, too. So one, okay. like when I got there, uh, Blue Squadron was there. Yes. And and um, and I remember like by the end of our rotation, they had already done their deployment did a workup and came back and they were like, you guys are still here. What the fuck? And we're like, please get us out of here. Just take us. But that was funny. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no. And then, and then uh, I remember being on a patrol one time and I swear I saw bin Laden and <laughs> I was like, I got so excited. Somebody was, shoot him. I was like, Oh, and I like, like raised my gun up. And I was just like, like just you know i wanted to make sure i was like is this yeah you want target id on that one and you know because it, it was during the day and obviously it wasn't like we were just patrolling through a village and uh and he was just working with this other guy but it it looked just like him and and i had to like oh, pull funny. people over like is this fucking you know is this been live with the fuck i was like Wait, oh, we might we might get in the war right now <laughs> yeah i was like i'm about to get him and uh but it, you know it wasn't him so i was like all right I'll just let that be and uh but then, hey, yeah, but uh, hh hey, but, but just because of the internet, I've heard that I didn't find him either. So whatever. <laughs> well, so when I was, I remember, you know, uh, May first or whenever it was, mm -hmm. um, I had woken up. I had woken up, and the news, you know, and all that shit, like the time difference, where you know everybody had already found out back mm -hmm. back in America. So I had woken up to all these messages. And, and I remember like one of like all these messages, like Bin Laden's been got da, 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 all the shit. And one of my best friends like wrote me and he was like, it was you, wasn't it? He's like, I know you got it. And I was like, you're fucking right. It was, you got it right. It was <laughs> like, I fucking got his ass for sure. Got him. Market. Uh, that was funny. Yeah, right. that was well. I mean, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Blue Blue Squadron was over there too, and they they were actually the they were deployed when we went over as Red Squadron. I mean, we went over there for a different reason, just to not to spike anything. But talk about a group of professionals, because if if I was deployed and another squadron came over and took that mission, I would have been I never would have talked to those dudes again. But they talk about pros, man. They were welcoming and just awesome dudes. They're they're just solid dudes. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah. funny if. if Kind of luck of the luck of the draw, you know. With, oh, with just that. lucky. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's how it was with like you know obviously all the seal all the seal uh, platoons and troops and everything. All those the operators are all capable of, you know. That's the whole point. We're all capable of doing all these missions or whatever. But it's yes. kind of luck of the draw of where you get to go. Right, what, right what place, right do. time. That's it. Right, and um, some people have like these amazing fucking careers just like because they just get lucky as fuck and yeah. timing yeah. and you know and they get pulled on this op or this way and and you know it's just works out that way and then other guys chase it their whole fucking yes, career they do. and, don't, and don't see shit and then other guys you know uh avoid it their whole fucking career that so. and that happens too and no one ever talks about that but i saw plenty of that too yeah i definitely saw that and it was fucking weak sauce i know and i again like we talked offline a little bit about that too and i'm not i'm not here to be negative but uh one i mean once the bullets start coming at you it really i mean again like we're talking about if something happens here you can talk a lot of shit until it's time to throw down and then i def i definitely saw some uh yeah some of that with like bullets flying and 
you know, and then it's like, oh, I guess you're not as. Yes. Uh, See, that's where that, I got lucky there thought. because that's the time that it pays off to not be that smart. And that's when I come in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, so, uh, I, I was always very, very aggressive. And yes. um, and that that's just my personality. It's mm -hmm. who I am. And that to me, like, you know, I there was people that that would be like, oh, Mitch was fucking dumb. He's a knuckle dragger. He was this or that. But then, you know, it's like who, you know, but when it came down to gunfight or fighting, like going into a room or something. Yeah. You, you, you absolutely want me there. Cause you absolutely. know, hundred percent oh, too. And, and uh, I'm saying and that was some I'm, of the, like the best compliment that I ever got from, from a couple of my teammates is, you know, like if I was going into a room, I would absolutely want you more than, you know, to have my back more than that's, anyone. That's the best compliment you can get yeah, from your guys. To me, right that there. meant everything, you everything. Know? Mm -hmm. And like, cause you know, I always, I always like thought that in that moment I would step up. Like oh, when yeah. I was, when I'm saying when I was a new guy, like before I had been in a gunfight, before I had been overseas, whatever I, you know, I respected combat seals so much because I knew that they had been there and done that. And it's mm -hmm. like, and I knew that like in reality you don't know how you're gonna fucking react very true when when bullets fly and like when when your when your life is on the line and you know when it when it's for real and um and i had guys that were <sighs> that were ahead of me but that but they had never been to combat either so it's like you don't know how you're gonna fucking react yes. either you mm -hmm. know and um, and, and I, and I was truthful with myself. Like, I don't know how I'm going to react to that, but I do believe, I believe yes. that in that moment, I will step up and I will be brave and be a warrior. And like in my first gunfight, I, you know, I remember like, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was anxious to get in a gunfight because I wanted to like, I want, you know, obviously just going through the whole workup and everything and yes. you're confident and you're just ready to fucking do the job. Yes. So that was there. But like, I was also like, I want to prove to myself that I am that, you know, warrior that I think I am. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I remember when uh, that first, first like gunshots went off and RPG and, da -da -da and machine guns and, and I was like excited. I was like, oh shit, this is, this is real, you know? And like, you know, like it's finally happening. And then, and then my leg just started like trembling, like uncontrollably. And I was like, oh fuck, like this is real, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is, but, this is but happening. Then I, but then I stepped up and did my thing and, and, yes. you know, and, and that brought me like so much like inner fulfillment of like, you know, I, I stepped up and, you know, and I was that, what i thought well, i would be yeah and there there is that question before because you always hear people run to the sound of the gun and i saw don't. others not yeah i've seen that too i've i've seen people freeze yeah. i mean you 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 truly don't really know how you're going to respond and i mean and it's legit like a bullet needs to be right one time and if it hits you it hits you that's it uh but I, you know, I, I think it's like anything, the, the more you realize if you're good or whatever, how you handle it, that it, it does, it does get more comfortable and it's not quite with, for me, it was never the way I thought it would be. I, it, it was almost, uh, it wasn't as complicated as I wanted to make it. It was actually very, 
I, the, the the more simple we made the planning, the the better the mission went instead of making everything complicated. Yeah, no, I definitely saw it. And I saw that a lot in training where mm -hmm. it was like you 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 lay out this big intricate plan and then you get to target and it's totally different. And it's like, oh, all right, every time up and like do a quick like, all right, you do this, that, the third. And those ones always went off yes. so much simpler. It's almost like the old uh, backyard football game. Okay, you're going to be the bottle cap, and I'm the stick, and we're going to do that and quick go over to that house. That that's going to work better than the the two week plan. The how everything's yeah. Go. That's that that was always my experience from just what I saw, you know, real world, mm -hmm. and and like just seeing that unfold. And you know, to your point, like with uh, the gunfighting and and situations and stuff, like I'm, I'm maybe you have the same um, view as it, but like I felt like our training was just so much more intense and over the top oh, yeah. scenarios that we, we put ourselves through. It was so much more than what yes. the real world things were. That was like, it almost seemed like easy in comparison. To uh, that, that My initial, especially in Iraq, I was, I started to wonder if I was in the right place. Like, did, am I missing something? Cause like it's, we train so hard, but this is, I mean, maybe they're just really bad yeah. <laughs> or, or we're just really good. I don't know, but it, yeah, the, I mean, and that's true though. The, if you, if you train like that too, and it's, you, you find, you know, I don't know. I, that's it's like that's Shane Gillis's uh, uh, stand up. You heard that? Oh my God. Yes. I love oh, that. So I thought it was awesome. Funny. <laughs> that so dude's hilarious. Funny. Well, he's, he's pushing the envelope too. I think he's bringing comedy oh, yeah. back to where we need it. Cause he makes fun of everyone to include himself. He's a funny dude. Yeah, no, he is hilarious. Yes. If you have not seen his stand up, I love it. I love, Oh, I uh, watched it. It was hilarious. I'm going to watch no, it again. So funny. What, um, so you're over there for extortion one seven also then. Yep. Yeah, no, uh, I was over there and, um, we were actually getting ready to, uh, do an op and um it was i remember it was like midnight we had we had done all of our briefing everything like that and <clears throat> got our you know night vision on got all kitted up ready to go we were, we had walked onto the helicopters like midnight getting ready to take off and then all of a sudden they 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 canked it and we were just like oh what the fuck like why why are we you know why are they canceling this weird and uh, we went back in the the jock and and then um, we had we had initially heard that it was um, a bunch of rangers mm -hmm. that were killed, and um, and we were just like, oh fuck, man, that sucks. Like mm -hmm. and uh, and but they they wanted to you know just cancel all the ops that night, and and then I think it was like the next day we we had gotten word that it was actually Gold Squadron. And, you know, and a bunch of guys obviously knew, knew people. Oh, well, yeah. So it was uh, definitely a sad time and, yes. um, you know, definitely filled, filled everyone there up with a lot of hate and rage. Yeah. That was, um, for us, it was, we went from planning missions to planning funerals. It's uh, just an emotional uh, high from May and then a low in August. And it, yeah. it, I mean, again, too, that's like, uh, and it's one of those things like the simplest answer is what happens. And you watch people spin that up into all these conspiracy theories. It's like, this is war, man. And it just fucking sucks. That's the answer. And you don't want to hear it, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, a, that was a really, that was a rough time. Yeah. Um, it's definitely. It's so definitely. Um, let's, I want to talk about what after the Navy. So you decide how many, you did 10 years, right? Yep. Yep. And, uh, and I was, I finished up over at trade at teaching combatives and CQC. And, um, and I had wrote, you know, like I, 
the we didn't really have a good combatives program before I got there. Had so you been, I, had you been training MMA at that point? Yeah. How long were you doing it then? Um, I started competing in jujitsu in 2012, and I started fighting MMA in 2000 and like maybe 14 or 13 or something like that. And, uh, and by the time I'd gotten over to trade ed, like I, you know, I think I was a purple belt and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd already done multiple MMA fights. I think I was already a champion and, and oh, I was cool. like, Hey, I, I think I can, you know, make this program, uh, you know, something better. And, uh, you know, cause it, it was just crazy to me that like, we didn't have a combatives program. As yeah, that is crazy. And I was like, this is crazy, you know, like, and, uh, so I took it on and, um, wrote the curriculum A to Z and, uh, and, Oh, no uh, shit. I was, yeah. was, was going to ask you if that was your curriculum. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. It was awesome. Um, everyone who went through the, the program loved it. And, um, I really made it, you know, focused around operationally focused combat. Yes. Like if you're, I- I was like, if you're doing a triangle, cho- a triangle choke on target, something's gone terribly wrong. You yes, know? indeed. <laughs> and like, yeah. there's a place for, you know, that stuff, but it, this is not like, I wanted it to be realistic. I wanted it to be focused around, you know, um, our tactics. I wanted our tactics to drive our combatives, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, did, you know, how did the that, lessons that's learned like a- are written in blood? Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. And that's a, that's a, one of the good old boy networks too. And a lot of contracts, cause you get, I know we've got guys in there that are, that get the contracts to teach combatives, but they, they really didn't, they're not yeah, doing and it. That, and I think that was a big issue there. And I know that was a big issue with, with like uh, the Dieter and shit like yes. that. that. That was a huge issue. And um, so they weren't able to like bring in other outside yep combatives and stuff so there was a bunch of legal bullshit with that but oh, totally I, i'm an internal like i'm just a seal like i'm yes. i'm an instructor and i happen to you know know this shit and i happen to be good at it yeah. so you know i i wrote the curriculum made the program and i was the head instructor and program manager and uh was that a was that a big fight to get that changed over no really I think because no. was it? I think everyone was. It, here, was, here's it, how, aban- it was abandoned. It wasn't yeah. a thing. Here's here's uh here's how old I am. Um, when I took my first, it was called CQD, which is the Dieter Defense Course. Yeah. Uh, when I went I through you. that, um, yes, exactly. That's this. <laughs> I went through that, and here's how old I am. Jocko was in my platoon, and he was a blue belt. So that's how old I am. And even he at the time, he's going through the course with me. He's like, "This is useless." I yeah. can tell you, and and uh, whatever he's trying to explain it, but the, at the time the fight because CQD had those contracts were good. I was that the hood drills? The hood drills were good. Yeah, those were good. I like those. That, that was it, the only good thing about it. No, the rest of it, the stance and the, the yeah. legs and the. I don't. <laughs> I think if you try this shit on a in a bar fight, you're probably gonna lose, or or leave with the hottest chick there, probably. <laughs> so, so okay, um, so you do that, and then uh, how many how many years till you got out? Yeah. But, uh, so I got, I got, I did that and it went really well. Um, like I really enjoyed teaching combatives and, um, you know, and, and I just had stacks and stacks of critiques from the newest new guy to, you know, senior damn net guys saying that like, this was fantastic training was like extremely realistic, extremely functional, you know, um, you know, so that, that made me feel really good. And, um, 
like I felt like this was something that I could give back to the teams and like and I felt like it was it was something that was useful because you know um a lot of times you are handling prisoners or whatever or you know you can't just shoot everybody as much as everybody wants to you know you, mm. you sometimes you can't do that and that's just not what the scenario calls for or whatever, or you need this person alive for Intel, you need whatever, but oh, yeah. human beings are unpredictable, especially in a scenario where they're in fear for their life. Well, and, they, they might die. Yeah. And you know, they have nothing to lose. So why not try to tackle you or go for your gun or whatever, you know what I mean? Or play possum and then attack you. And if, you know, uh, and a lot of those, a lot of seals did not, um, when you took away, when you took away like the gun, when you took away the body armor, when you took away their teammates or whatever, and it's just like, this is the first time you're in a face-to-face altercation with another human being. It's like, yes. that's, you know, and then everyone thinks like these seals are all badass fighters or whatever. That's not always the case. And no, it's not. Are, some of them have never even been in a fight or whatever. Yep. So, mm-hmm. um, so it was good to like expose people to that, obviously before yes. you want to, you want to get that under your belt and, and experience and not be the first time you experience that overseas in a real, in real world yeah. scenario. Right. So, um, and then obviously you got to build off of all of that. Um, so I got to, you know, help, help people build their confidence in situations like that. And then the program that I put together was really well done with, with again, the tactics driving the scenarios and combatives and, and you could tell like just from the first day of people going through it, to the last day of the course, like they were just night and day and so much more confident and aggressive and just like handling it quickly and easily. And, um, and I felt like good about that because I was like, you know, this could really save someone's life overseas, like for real. Yes, And, um, you know, so that, that I felt like that was something that I was able to give back to the teams Mm -hmm. because the teams had, you know, it, it had opened a lot of doors for me and, and like, just, you know, I just wanted to give back. And, and that was a way that I felt like I, I did. And um, so I was, I was really happy about that. And then I got out and, uh, you know, and I was, I was pursuing, um, you know, like the UFC, because mm-hmm. I was fighting and I was, you know, I was ranked number one on the East Coast in two different weight classes, I was, you know, multiple time champion. Um, I fought in glory kickboxing, stuff like that. So, uh, I was really enjoying that. And then I, I, and I started my company, um, and it was, you know, selling t-shirts. It was my, Mm -hmm. started off as my fight t-shirts. And then that led into, um, eventually selling supplements, the smashing greens, you know, that was the concoction that I come up with Mm -hmm. mixing these different or organic superfoods together. And I would fast with them to cut weight for my fights. And I didn't think anything of it had zero intentions of starting a supplement company or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and I, but, you know, I posted about this concoction and and how I lost weight and people wanted to, you know, a a bunch of my following, you know, I had a, and started a social media to give back to my sponsors and stuff for fighting. I, I didn't even have a social media. I grew it organically. And, um, and then, you know, my followers were asking me about, you know, what, what do I do for fitness, all this stuff. And, and, uh, and I didn't think anything of it and I just shared it. And then all of a sudden it blew up and, yes. and, 
you know, long story short, so I ended up like, all right, well, fuck, I guess I'm going to have a supplement company now. And, yeah. you know, and then it took off and people were, you know, losing tons of weight with the, the, with the smashing greens as you yes. know, cause I was the smashing frog. That was yes. my fighting name. So I know that. Yeah. my followers uh, named the concoction, the smashing greens. So that, you know, that oh, the followers did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. They were calling it the smashing green. So I was like, okay. okay. So I, uh, and yeah. uh, you know, cause it was originally, it was like seven different products that I bought from like the vitamin shop and mixed them all together into, mm -hmm. into this concoction. And they called that the smashing greens. And then, you know, I was getting bombarded with questions like over and over and over and I, and I didn't have any association with these companies. I wasn't making any money off of them or whatever, but I was like people were losing weight and it was helping people. And, every, you know, my brother lost 110 pounds. Like, That's so awesome. You know, and so I was like, all right, this is cool. Like it's helping people, whatever. So I'll answer questions, but I was like, fuck man, this is just taking so much of my time. And then, so at pure, at a pure annoyance, like I was like, all right, I'm going to go to a manufacturer and just say, Hey, can you take all these products and mix them into one? And, and they'll be called the smashing greens and it'll be my product. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, sure. So I did that and the smashing greens were born and yeah. <laughs> yeah and then it just like blew up and yes, um, yes. you know, all these people I, I, were, were losing weight and doing these challenges and stuff. And and now, you know, we've turned into a multi-million dollar company and uh, all through my Instagram, you know, and just our organic word of mouth and, and uh, the products are really good and they really work well. And you know, so uh, we've literally paid no money for advertising mm -hmm. over the years. And, uh, but then, you know, obviously I, I, I had my, my social media, my Instagram was really my only platform. Mm -hmm. And I, I was up to 370,000 followers. And then, uh, you know, during COVID and, and all that shit and the vaccine mandates, and I was very outspoken against yep. all that because, nobody was talking like nobody was nobody was saying using with, yep. their platforms to like because yep. everyone was worried that they were going to get their platforms deleted because you know and that was a really very real possibility but i just felt like it was like too important not to fucking talk about and uh and unfortunately you know they they did they came for me and they deleted yeah, my they and that that really negatively impacted my business you know in a really bad way so well, I mean, think of what a shame that is, too. Uh, just the uh, the pro you mentioned that your younger brother had a weight issue. Then you say with with these greens and the fast, he lost a hundred pounds. And I've seen, I, I mean, the results are there, and the fact that you're the boss, but you're using them. And I see what you post. I know you're fasting right now, and yeah. I mean, you can see the results in you. Like the, the how I got uh, onto uh, to massive was I through Jeff gum, I saw, a I didn't, I hadn't met you. And I saw a video where you, you did a 50 meter underwater swim. And I was like, that's pretty sick. And then like, like the next day, like now I'm going to do a 75 meter underwater swim. It's like, holy shit, who does this? This guy's a fucking badass. And then, you know, I, I got introduced to you, whatever. And you sent me, and th this is not a promotion for me at all. I still use the protein and the greens. The new greens are fucking exceptional, but like the protein that strawberry, I can make, it taste like a milkshake. I, I use it every day after my workouts. The, 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 uh, the product's incredible. You can see the results and you would think just on a physical level, like everyone's supposed to be healthy. This is what people want. And just because you say something that needs to be said, that's the truth. It shuts down a business. It's taking away from you, but it's also other people are missing out on, on something that tastes great that helps them out, get results. And if you get into, uh, 
a physical form like that, everything in your personal life is going to be better because you you feel better. You're more confident, the positive energy. And then some fucker out in Napa Valley, because you said something that was right that they didn't like, they shut you down and and you're losing a lot of, of uh, a lot of reach, right? Oh, I mean, it, it, it literally cost me millions of dollars. I mean, uh, it, it tanked our, our sales, um, because, you know, uh, just imagine like how, how many people do you follow on Instagram, you know, like mm -hmm. a couple hundred, yeah. like, so if, if one of those people just all of a sudden just their profile was gone, you, you wouldn't even notice, like, no. unless you like really fuck with that person hard and like search them out daily or, or, you know, or, or wanting to see something from them you're not going to even notice if one person just kind of just disappears. And that's what happened. And, uh, you know, and every day to this day, I get people like that message me, Oh shit. I, I didn't know where the hell you were. I didn't know what happened to you, you know? And, um, yeah, that, that, it really sucked because like I said, I had not spent any money on advertising. Mm -hmm. Like all of it was legitimately just word of mouth organic, um, from, from our, Instagram and people spread the word like that. And I had a very engaged, you know, following and stuff. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah. And I, and I spent all my money on making the products, the uh, best products that I can and, you know, spent no money on marketing or advertising. And uh -huh. so it really just like, it really fucked me hard core. <laughs> and the products are, I mean, they're seriously exceptional. Um, Thank you. Well, we, I mean, we got an audience here. What, what tell, which, where should they go to get, I mean, you got to try these greens definitely. And I'm telling you get the protein, but where, where, well, to, well, where we to go? Don't, we, don't, we don't even sell protein anymore because I like, really? I, yeah, because I, I took such a, a financial hit and I, I, I started, didn't even know that. Yeah. I started this business, you know, from selling t-shirts in my bedroom, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm totally self-funded, no loans, like from no help or anything like that. Like, uh, you know, so I don't have any investors. I don't have anything. It's just me like totally bankrolling this. And I don't come from money. Uh, uh -huh. yeah. and, uh, so, so I had to, when that happened, I really had to like focus, like refocus, like, and on just the greens and the reds okay. and like the college and like our top sellers. Okay. And I had to let everything else like just sell off. And because it's, it's costs a lot of money to get these yes, big purchase orders and, and get these products. You, you know, it's not like you can just buy a one off, you have to buy in bulk and they're expensive. And when you're funding it yourself, right. you're limited. Okay. Now, okay. Now I do have stake in the game because I, I want you to start making the protein again. So I need to hear that website. We got to get people to it. I, I, that protein's amazing. Where, yeah. where are they going to find it? Go try these greens. The new ones are exceptional. What, which website should they go to? Massive supplements, M A S F supplements.com. M A S F supplements.com. Yep. And uh, okay. that's, you know, our smashing greens and our smashing reds. Those are staple products for sure um the the greens are by far our number one seller yes um, and the new greens are nsf for sports certified they're usda certified um they taste phenomenal they're yeah i've seen i've seen videos of people tasting them and i mean i mean they're excellent they're unbelievable and people are freaking out when they taste it people need to try these and they're really really good yeah they're uh, by far the most nutrient dense greens on the market and uh you know, they, and that's the thing is like, we didn't sacrifice the, the density of the, you know, ingredients in there. Like most, most greens you see, like, if you look on the back of a label, like the serving size is like seven to eight grams or something like that. And, you know, you, they've got 
50 ingredients in it and like how much how much do you think you're getting how much wheatgrass do you think you're getting in mm-hmm. in that if there's 50 ingredients and it's only seven grams right like it's just not that much but like ours ours are uh are 16 grams per serving. I mean, we have four, four grams of wheatgrass per serving per scoop, like, you know, alone. And we have spirulina, chlorella, like dense, you know, dark greens, dark, you know, algaes, like things that are very hard to mask. And, uh, and ours, our greens, I guarantee you are the most, the, the best tasting greens on the market, hands down, Mm -hmm. the most nutrient dense, like I stand by them a thousand percent. Like if you try them and don't like yeah. them, we'll send your money back, whatever. But yep. these are phenomenal greens and, uh, yeah. and reds mm-hmm. are awesome too. So like I said, I've seen testimonials, people making I'll, videos I'll grab, posting I'll themselves. Grab them right here so you can see. Oh. And then uh, as you're grabbing that stuff too, I love it stands for move ahead, stay focused, correct? M-A-S-F? Massive. Move and stay focused. Move and stay focused. Move and stay. I knew it stood for something else. That's up to you if you want to say it. I think it's awesome. There they are. Smashing Red, Smashing Greens, MASF supplements.com. Go try those. I swear to God. And uh, I, I'm not doing the fast yet, but when you see, follow Mitch on Instagram if you can find him. Um, but if you see the results, I mean, you look good, bro. I'm just saying. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm on day two of the fast. I'm doing a five day fast. So just cool. Monday through Friday and a bunch of my followers are doing it with me right now. So yes. that's cool. Which, which, and, um, which, which social media site should they visit? I'm on Instagram at, uh, at M I T C H underscore A G U I A R. And, um, yeah, and I'll be doing the uh, a meltdown, a massive meltdown, all of March. So that's okay. basically that's every- a good one too. People need people seriously get to that. You Follow should, them you on should Instagram. Do that one. And I'll well, I got a I got a daughter here, man. She's brand new. I'll, we'll see what I I might be fasted just because I don't have time to eat. We'll see. <laughs> don't be a pussy, Rob. <laughs> oh, fuck, there it is. I getting called out. Damn it. The, see, this is why we uh we that's, didn't do this. That's why I got Ray Cash to do the he's doing the fast right now. He's oh, doing the five well, yeah, fast you and Ray Care, your your dudes that are your abs have abs. I'm not there. I'm I'm pushing. Well, he 50 came over, over, he came over here to the HQ and and he was talking about it or whatever. And he's only done, I think he's done only a three-day fast ever. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was talking to him about it. And I was saying, yeah, I'm going to, I'm doing this five day fast Monday to Friday. And I was like, it's not fucking hard. It's, you know, it's literally right. just your mindset or whatever. All right, what's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was tell like, tell me what fucking pussy, Ray, do it. And he was like, <laughs> tell me what, the, what does a fast to... entail? What, what am I allowed to eat or drink on a fast? So it, you know, it's, it's a, it's not a traditional fast in the sense, like you're not depriving yourself of nutrients, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're actually saturating yourself with organic Okay. you know, abundance of organic nutrient dense superfoods. So you're not going to be physically hungry. I haven't eaten in two days and I've worked out fucking six times and okay. I'm not hungry. What do I, what, how, how often can I have the greens and reds if I fast? As much as you want. Really? You're not going to want them more than the, I've never seen. I don't, you're not going to want them more than three times a day because they're okay. too, they're too filling. All right. Um, here's the, uh, I, you I will can tell have you a this. protein shake after you work out. Okay. All right. I'm not committing yet, but I want to see the response we get. If we can get more people to do this, I'm 90% there. I got to see how my baby daughter's doing, but this sounds like something I can get into. I'm, I'm trying some of that health kick shit too. Okay. So, so, okay. So, and, and, and you might be more interested in the March one because the meltdown that's every other day fasting for the whole okay. month of March, March meltdown. When do we do it? The whole month? 
the whole month. So it's every other day is fasting with the greens and the reds. You can have collagen, BCAAs. You can have a protein shake after you work out. So it's not like you're oh, really? deprived of nutrients. Like you're still getting a shitload of nutrients. You're okay. just not physically eating physical food. All right. I'm, I'm definitely interested. And I definitely, I want to see what people think about this. I think we get some people involved. This would be, this is actually a really cool campaign. And I've just for the record, I've never even considered a fast, but I'm really considering this. This is cool. So, like I said, so March would be a good one for you because it's every other day. And then on the days that you eat, it's, it's clean eating. It's single ingredient, whole natural foods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, has one ingredient, chicken, broccoli, you know, whatever, if it's one ingredient, if it's a natural product, like from an animal or grows, you know, yes. Okay. Single ingredient, whole natural foods. You All can right. eat those on your clean eat days and yeah. then fasting with the supplements on your fasting days for the whole month of March. And okay. I guarantee you're going to fucking drop some fat and like be, you know, looking. All right. Looking. That sounds awesome. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to, I'll get back with you about that, but I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. All right. Bef before, okay. Before we roll out, there's one more story I've been dying to talk to you about. Okay. Cause I saw it. You were doing an Instagram live at a diner uh, uh, out, yeah. out West. Right. And some fucking do. And we all, <laughs> as Navy SEALs, we all run into a fucking fake seal once in a while. I watched your, and I didn't, I didn't even know who you were when I saw it. Tell me that story. Cause it's fucking hilarious. Okay. So yeah, I was out at uh, a, a diner called Norms. It's like a chain diner, I think. And, um, and I was in Los Angeles. I was, I was training out at Black House MMA. And, uh, and I, and I went to this diner all the time just for lunch. And, and uh, at the time, I, you know, this was back before my Instagram got deleted. And I had a, you know, real big following and really engaged audience. And, I would do the Mitch show, which is, you know, live, yeah. I would basically go live on my Instagram. I call that mm -hmm. the Mitch show. Yeah. And, uh, and I would just talk to my followers about whatever all the time. And, uh, I always had like hundreds of people on there and, uh, and I was just eating my lunch at a random ass diner in the middle of the afternoon in Los Angeles. And, uh, and I think I was in Torrance, California and, which is in LA. And, uh, I I'm sitting there just talking and then there's these, there's this older black guy next to me. And then this older white guy, and they're probably in the late fifties, early sixties, something like that. And, uh, and I'm just sitting there, you know, eating my, eating my lunch, talking on live. And, and then all of a sudden I hear, uh, Navy seal. And I just kind of like look over and I mm -hmm. kind of listen in and this guy's telling this older white guy's telling this older black guy that he was a Navy SEAL. No. Uh -oh. And I was like, that, you know, you, you could just kind of tell, like, you, like, especially SEALs, like, In there a is second. such thing as SEAL radar. Like, yes. you can pick up another SEAL. And, like, we don't, Rob and I don't look alike, but uh, like, the, mm -hmm. and all SEALs kind of look different, but there's just something, a way that, you carry yourself. It's an aura. I don't know what the fuck it is, but well, it's even the language sometimes. Yeah. Just, but there's it, certain things you just don't say you do say. I mean, I, I was just at, this just happened to me at, uh, I was rolling jujitsu at a different Academy here and I was just rolling with this guy. Didn't not, no words were even said or whatever. But I was just like, are you a seal? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, man. So you just, you just know. 
But anyway, so definitely. How, and now, how'd you just know? Was he writing a book at the time? What's going on? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm kidding. Hair, sorry. Putting some hair gel in now. Uh, but <laughs> now, um, so anyway, I just, you know, you just got a hunch, obviously. And like imposters are everywhere. And it's very strange yeah. to me. But I'm listening to this guy. I'm like, okay, obviously this dude's full of shit. Yes. And, uh, and I was live on Instagram and people are hearing the conversation. Oh, like, cause, I, Cause I'm like, Hey, what did you say? Did you say you're a Navy SEAL? And he's like, Oh, baby. Sure. And starts making oh, like jokes about it. And then he's like, yeah, I was a SEAL. Da, da, da. And, and I'm like, Oh yeah, really? That's interesting. You know? And, and, and then uh, everybody on the live is hearing this and they know right away that this guy's full yes. of shit. <laughs> and, so I like pan the camera over and like show like that this guy is talking. And then I'm just like, Oh yeah. And just, and I just start asking him questions and just letting him dig his own grave, you know, for, for five minutes and make oh, a fucking no. ass of himself. And uh, you know, he's saying he was a seal on Camarillo Island and uh, you know, <laughs> and that he used to do, do the job on, you know, it was like an extra duty on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sense. and, and, uh, and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's, that's crazy. You know, and just letting them go on and on. And, and then I was like, you know what, man, I, I, I don't think you are a seal. And he was like, Oh, you don't. Why? And I'm like, because I am because I am. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, do you, do you know what this is? Do you, do you know what this means? Oh shit. And he's like, Oh, it's tattoo. I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a bone frog, bro. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, tell me what it is." No, I'm not fucking telling you. What did, now, did he did he just say, "Yeah, I'm full of shit," or did he try to go with it for a second? Uh, I can't remember honestly. I think he he didn't it, not right away. I think right away he tried to like, "Yeah, I am." Like push back, and then I got very like uh, threatening demeanor, I guess you can call it. And uh, I can live with that. Yeah. Yeah, and and I can't remember. I think he he did kind of say like sorry or something because he tried to shake my hand and yeah. I was like I don't want to shake your fucking hand. No. And I was like you know if you were fucking ten years younger I'd knock you the fuck out. But uh, yeah, it's it's time to pay the check and leave at that point for him. Yeah, well I paid my check and left. And no, uh, I mean he should have he should have picked up everyone's check. And I call and I call you know and I pointed the camera at him and I said not a seal and. Uh, <laughs> You know, and then I posted it on uh, YouTube and I was still active duty at the time. And mm -hmm. um, but, you know, to me, it was like, fuck this guy. He's the one who's, you know, stolen valor. Like, yes. you know, I have fucking friends that are dead and like yeah. I gave everything to earn that title, mm -hmm. you know, and you're just in here fucking trying to be cool and running your in mouth. A, yeah. In a diner, just trying to, you know, impress some fucking stranger. Like you have no idea, like, you know, yeah, how no idea, no, no, is. no idea, no respect. It's all fucking game. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it really pissed me off. And, and so I posted it like, like, fuck this guy. Let's let's, you know, out him. And, um, and I, I got like in trouble for posting that cause it went viral. Oh it, yeah. Too. That's I saw it too. Like I said, before I even knew who you were. Yeah. That video that that's still on YouTube floating around or whatever, that's, that's been taken down like three times and it still has like half a million views. I posted it originally and it got like 800,000 views in like oh, two shit. days. And um, yeah, it went viral. And then, and my command 
got all fucking pissed and you know uh man got pissed yeah they made me take it down so i deleted it or whatever but i was like it's viral it's it's on the internet it's it's out there yeah it's the fucking and and i was like i was confused as like what's the fucking problem here no you you stood up for something yeah this guy's fucking you're you're mad at me for calling out a fucking guy who's pretending to be a seal like Mm. i didn't assault him you know and you could have I could have, but like, I, I didn't, I just outed him and like publicly shamed him. Like what? So like half of the, and that was like one of the things I fucking could not stand about the military is you have so many bosses. And it was like half of my bosses were like, yeah, Mm -hmm. right on. That was dope. And the other half were like, ah, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have posted it. And it's just like, okay, cool. What? Like, so which which one am I am I in trouble? Oh, yeah. Like you know what I mean. I had to go mm-hmm. to a DRB for that and like. Are you shitting me? Yeah, like it was fucking stupid, and um, you know, and I'm like, I, this is just this is so fucking dumb. I could not wait to get out of the Navy. Yeah, I know. Like, that's and that's that's the thing with retention too. Like we were saying earlier, you get politics involved. You got everything's political at that point in the military too. That many bosses. That's just that's bull- bullshit. Yeah, and you just have like yeah, it's, I I and that's how it was with my fighting too. It was like. Half of my bosses were cool as fuck, and they were like, "Yeah, this is a good thing. It's a good look. Like, it's a great know? look." And I'm like, "I'm like, dude, I'm I'm a seal. Like, I'm in really really good shape. Like, in better shape than most of you." Yeah, and and you, I mean, you look you look the part. You think? Would I, yeah, look I'm that. like, I look the part. I'm out here like fighting. I, I'm beating people's asses like super yes. aggressively in the cage. It's a good look like for use me as a recruiting tool. Like that's what I'm fuck? saying. That's that's you are a Navy SEAL and that's what someone they're trying to recruit thinks that is a Navy SEAL. And that's yeah. exactly what we're supposed to look like. Right. And it's and like, you get the admin. You know, don't you want Oops. this? Like, like, you know what I mean? I'm like, this mm-hmm. is a good look for it. Like, yeah, it's a great look. Why MMA, Navy me? SEAL, abs, punches, kicks and jujitsu. What's wrong with that? <laughs> That's what and you I want. Wasn't, and I wasn't like, I wasn't posting operational shit. I wasn't posting like anything, you know, yeah, like yeah. controversial. Like it was just, and it's like, you know, I have a bone frog on my chest. People know I'm a seal. Like mm-hmm. people know about seals. It's not the fucking eighties anymore, you know, or like <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the word is out. The word's <laughs> out. And like, and, and, and I just thought it was kind of like a little bit hypocritical where it's like, we literally do our training at, coronado beach and mm-hmm. people in front of the hotel horn and watch fucking you know at the hotel dell and they watch rock portage and they watch yes us they do run by the beach and we take our shirts off yeah that's and, even, even the instructors back then would say take them off so and, we can show and, the show the people what we look like and not you know like and then like not to mention like we literally stop traffic and not just stop traffic as we run across the street we scream like oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> What it's not a fuck? it's not a big secret. What is going on here? Why is this such like I, I just don't get it. But uh, uh and all it's that politics. Kind of just, that was all frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I was just very excited to get out of the Navy and yeah, yeah, be free and uh not have to answer to anybody. And um, you know, I had a great the ton of great experiences in, in the SEAL teams for sure. And, you know, I'm very thankful for my mm-hmm. time in the military and the life experience and, you know, um, doors that it opened, et cetera. But yeah, I was definitely ready to be free and, and thank God I got out when I did, because there's no fucking way in hell I would have been able to be in the military during COVID. Oh no, I know. There's no fucking way. 
Yeah, it's a it's a retention thing that ev- eventually the chickens are going to come home to roost, and they got They got to figure out the retention. They got to figure out the recruiting, and the, I don't think a lot of this woke shit's going to work. And and it's, I mean, it's going to take another war to. I don't, you know, I don't even want to get into that. It's just, a, yeah. it's a shame. We, uh, you and I are going to do this again for sure. Um, again, it's uh, massivesupplements.com, M-A-S-F, supplements.com. Yep. And, and then violenthippie.com. That's another got, one you want to go to. Say that again. Violent Hippie, H-I-P-P-I-E, violenthippie.com. And yeah, uh, dude, we, go get, go get Violent Hippie shirts. I swear yeah, to God, it's got, a head turner, a conversation cool, starter. Cool shirt. Let's see what you got. Violent hippie on the back there. There we go. I love it. I'm oh. a big fan of the tie dye too. I wear that around too. Be kind or else. Yeah, we got tie dye shirts. Be kind got... or else. And then uh, adopt a cop BJJ. Can they go and check that out? Yeah, uh, and that's adoptacopbjj.org. That's a you know charity. So yep. um, if you want to donate to that or or whatever and get some police officers, yeah, uh, totally training. worth it. Great charity. Yeah. Well, Mitch, this is awesome, dude. I love having your brother. We're going to do it again for sure. I'm going to be in touch offline about the March meltdown. I got to see what happens with the baby and the wife and all that. Who knows? Maybe I can talk the wife into doing it. Um, Thank you. I appreciate it. We're excited, man. I'm pumped. I got uh, this will be uh, another daughter. So I'm going to, like I was telling my sister today, I'm going to set up a snow cone stand so I can raise money for these weddings. (laughs) Nice. Well, all right, brother. I'll be in touch. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. We're going to do it again, brother. Look forward to doing the next one, hopefully in person. Oh, we will. All right, brother. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Wow, huh? That is quite a story, man. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Let me know in the comments also if uh, if we should do the March meltdown. I'm actually, I'm like I said, I'm intrigued. Got to see how it goes with the baby girl. If she's cooperating, maybe. I don't know. Let me know in the comments, man. That sounds great. And go check out MassiveSupplements.com, M-A-S-F Supplements.com. Check out what Mitch has going on there. The smashing red, smashing greens. It's awesome. March meltdown, all that stuff. Um, Adopt a cop BJJ, like Mitch was just saying. That's very, very cool. It's important that we take care of each other, take care of the vets, take care of uh, law enforcement, first responders, man. That's a great, great deal there. Massivesupplements.com. That's cool. So let me know what you think about it. I want to hear if you enjoyed this conversation. We can do a lot more of this. And remember, you take your smashing greens, you're never out of the fight.